Welcome to the Intercut Podcast Channel, live from the 2024 Sundance Film Festival, where we go over the latest in movies, TV, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. A little harder to do that when I'm holding the mic in my hand. <laughs> Start taking. I'm your co-host, Zach, Zachary Shevich, and joining me from our Utah Ski Chalet, ready to ski in and out of your hearts. Samantha the Jedi and Arturo Zurita. Ooh, Ooh that yeah. was nice. I liked that. Yeah, that was good. Right into good, right? I wasn't sure if we were going to get the gutter one ever since that oh, happened yeah. the, the first oh. day. And it, it got what, gutter? what gutter? Yeah, what gutter? Yeah, what gutter? Let's not tell our Airbnb host. Uh, we are back in Utah. It's year six Ooh. of Sundance for us. Year five of actually traveling out here. Year four of being here when there's actually movies playing here. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Harry Potter house. No, other way around. <laughs> We've been here for five years. It's the sixth. We, Sundance never, they only did one skipped year, didn't they? they or was it two? It's the fourth time we've been here when there's actually been screenings here as well. Yeah, so. 2021 was virtual, and then 2022, on the way over, they told right. us, thank they you for packing okay. your bags. Yeah, you're it's right. Virtual. Yeah, glad you're you right. rented a house, but... Yeah. Uh, that was nice. Uh-huh. It was fun. It was Second fun. year was fun. when it's an year. election year. Oh, geez, yeah. Third, when the snow mm. is fluffier more than usual mm-hmm. with the degrees. All the MLB stats. <laughs> I, I feel like weather-wise, it's been kind of a nice Sunday. It was perfect. It's it was everything you needed. You got your snow. You got your little bit of blizzards. Yeah. Sometimes it was cold. Other times, because you nice don't. And, nice and... It was breezy. Those high schoolers were crazy. <laughs> Dude, they were, <laughs> they were wild. Shorts in the snow. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to understand how the locals do it, different. but uh, you you do kind of want there to be some snow while you're out here. Yeah, if for you're sure. Going into the mountains and it hurts when you come out after like two hours screening in the dark, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> it's like the brightest thing. Everyone says, "Bring a coat. Bring." Uh, You need sunglasses when you get out of these screenings. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's been in some ways a return to form and in other ways we're seeing the continued evolution of the Sundance Film Festival. You know, there's been a lot of really exciting movies and there's been some things that I think we've had frustrations with coming into this year's festival. Sadly. How how are you feeling? We're on our last day of movies. We might still get a few straggler screenings. We're going to get another 20 in there. But uh, yeah, just we're we're almost wrapping this up. Are you feeling positive about this year? A little bit down on this year, Amanda? Why don't you start us out? Uh, I feel like it was a really top heavy year, and even mm-hmm. that top heavy year isn't quite comparing with last year. Like there's stuff I saw last year that it carried right through to the end of the year in my top mm-hmm. ten list. I don't fully know if I've seen anything like that this year. I've had stuff that's sticking with me, stuff that I'm really excited to visit again. Um, so just in terms of the movies, I do feel like it was a little bit top heavier. I also just don't necessarily like the way that they only opened the digital up within the last four days of the festival. So instead of us being able to like stagger stuff in, in between other stuff, we're trying to fit it all in the last four days while trying to fit in anything that was only available in person. Mm -hmm. So that's been weird. Uh, they changed however they do the wait list. That is probably one of the biggest complaints, uh, we've seen. It does not work the same on multiple levels and it is just a huge nightmare. We like to attack these screenings as pairs. We like go out to screenings together and stuff and it just makes it that much more complicated. Everyone's in like a different place. Yeah. Yeah. You can't connect your accounts anymore. Uh, it doesn't out during a screening when you're trying to, because then only one person needs to. Only one person. And then the other thing is, is it doesn't show you how many people dropped out of line in front of you. So we're now ending up with like after the first weekend of really bad luck with wait list people just aren't even showing up for the wait list when they have like 17 and, and they absolutely would have made it in if a theater was like averaging 50 and you were like 70 you can keep an eye on it and if enough people dropped you're now in that zone yeah so it's just yeah. differences yeah just but. a couple of things just a couple of issues there then it was like glitching out a bunch so i ended up with like four numbers to the same movie mm-hmm. like that should never happen so yeah. we we also ended up you were talking about the digital screenings being delayed for kind of the back half of the festival i found that 
after the first, you know, couple days, we were looking for things to fill our schedule. There were sometimes like gaps form because there's just nothing that you're particularly interested in or that you can even get into in certain slots. You already have it scheduled for a later day of the festival. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I went from trying to figure out what to do with my schedule in the 22nd and the 23rd to having more movies than I had time to even watch yep. uh, from the 24th through the 28th. So I think we all still ended up with a pretty decent count. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I got to 50. I, I don't know how, if you finalized your count or whatever, no, not but yet. I mean, we, we all usually do end up, you know, a few dozen over, at least. Got I'm over not 50. like 40, I think. I will say on your top heavy comment, it's because we we mapped it out perfectly. We did. We knew, we knew what, was gonna what the be good stuff was going to be. That's we knew true. what was going to be good. And we, we knew what we were premieres. What we were anticipating exactly premieres. We knew some stuff we were anticipating that we knew was going to be a little bit slower. We mm -hmm. also saved all the slower stuff for the end. So it's just one of those things where it's how you approach the festival. You know, if you're watching a lot of midnights, chances are you're going to be probably more scared than the people watching the U.S. docs. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I think it was still a solid year. Sure. You don't have your talk to me's, but there were some horror heroes that were pretty good. We don't have a past lives, but there's something in the U.S. competition yeah. that is going to be at my top till the end of the year. And if this is like a bad Sundance year, give me more bad Sundance years. No, for sure. Because this is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's been a highlight out of the years that we've been traveling as a group, but I still think it was a really solid year. Really good movies, really good premieres, good food. Good, it was good fun. Food. Alberto, Alberto's continues to hit Bro, I think that last bite I had last night Might have been it You done? Maybe <laughs> Too much? Just binging on it too much? It's just, just too much Mexican food at this point Because yeah. we started off with Ready Wana and everything That's why I needed a burger last night Just something different It's beef, but in a different way yeah. <laughs> Good shout out Bangkok on, on Maine mm. uh, That was a new one for us Yeah, yeah. that one was pretty good Solid time. Uh, Shout out the Tots from Napoleon's uh... <laughs> <laughs> You gotta be behind you Somewhere there, yeah, we still got the grease states yeah. Um, also, just talking again about the the actual screenings themselves, we found uh, with the theaters, you know, some, we we've come enough years that we've seen them change certain theaters out, extend certain theaters. Uh, this year, the the Eccles, which is usually the main theater, they stopped screening halfway through midway the through the festival. Which is a little bizarre. Because we had a really good place right next to the Eccles. We really did. <laughs> Didn't really work out. There's just some differences uh, when it comes to to this year's fest, but I, I still think overall. It was a solid festival mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully a solid festival for those who were at home because as much as we love to come and it's a privilege and it's awesome and we get to see some exclusives, I think the best thing that they've done is made uh, made it virtual because a lot of the people we've met this year got a taste of it just by going to the virtual festivals, by you know being able to check out a movie online and, and they kind of get the gist of it coming totally. in here. And yeah, some people may not get the chance to come. It is expensive to get here. It is a lot of energy to be going up and down all of these places in the snow um, and being able to attend virtually and have some of the best movies that are going to be on this top 10 list available for y'all at home, I think is a, a really cool thing that one of the best festivals is still doing. Continues. Yeah, yeah we, we hope continues. it continues. I hope, yeah. I hope. <laughs> we'll see. You know, uh, I think one of the things that we noticed is that they they kept including the Q and A's, which that was That's a holdover nice. from virtuals. Good call. Yes. Although the qualities in these Q and A's is, is that's how you could tell it's like a, a last minute edition. You know, hire yeah. us. We'll get something going here. I can guarantee you. Yeah, I guarantee you our videos. We're already and Q &As recording are some of them. Yeah, yeah, like my Love Lies Bleeding Q and A is absolutely better than whatever. Come on, you're front row. I was all the way in the back, back, back. <laughs> with, with my C20. <laughs> That's what I said. I'm like, it looks like somebody just strapped a C920 to the Raptors, yeah. put auto on everything, and then just, and then just let just it waited. rock. Yeah. Just let it rock. <laughs> you see it begin with a white sheet of paper? Yeah. 
So I'm divided between whether or not I feel like Sundance is putting in that in additional effort, hoping to continue this online program, or if it feels like uh, they're yeah. just sort of doing what we they get can. get the recaps this yeah, year. Yeah, the recaps also. So yeah, I mean, it's an evolving festival. We'll see what, what sticks around with next year. And I would just say the online's a really good way for them to make more income. Mm. And if like income's a thing, you can get money from people all around the country that would never come here. And I would say publicity too. Publicity Even if too. you were making, I think a lot of people are talking about this festival more especially on that mm-hmm. second half when you've had all that hype the first week and then in the second week everybody else gets to yeah you get like a, a new everyone's seen it here but you get a whole new cycle of people to, a new round to of view uh, it. Yeah. people talking of about opinions mm-hmm. and stuff and I, I, yeah, so. I thought that's been cool the last two yeah, years it's been cool yeah um and you know we we hope to see that continue because we really do love being able to share as many of these movies with people as possible mm-hmm. and getting to hear back from people mm-hmm. about what movies they loved we want to talk a little bit about the movies we love. We are yeah. doing our top 10 films of the Sundance Woo-hoo. Film Festival. Uh, these are set in stone. You're not allowed to change your mind. <laughs> no. I know oh, we're no. catching freaky tales later. It doesn't matter. You, you can't say it. You can say it. I've already seen it. it. I've already seen it. It's we on can't my list, say it. So. We'll come in in a weird anthological way like the movie if freaky tales does blow our minds, but it really is one of the last ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I you know we talked about how uh, this year might have been a little more top heavy. I definitely feel that way too in that like, there's some movies that really, really hit for me. Mm-hmm. And then I think the like six to 10 section, I've got about 10 movies that maybe really? could sneak in yeah, there. Yeah, same, same. Uh, I have but, a lot that are very much in the same position and I don't, like I'm just kind of like free balling right. it. Fewer movies that I'm like, I have to champion this movie on the pod more that like I'm, I'm enjoying talking about these movies. Yeah. So y'all have any honorables? I got a couple. Do you want to um, do those before the one? I feel like my honorable is going to be Might on be Zach's list. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so let's do the honorables before we get to number one on each of our lists. Um, but I guess we could start off number 10. Art, if you want to get us going. Look, I got something that's disgusting. It's vile. And one of us almost didn't even want to leave the Airbnb to see this one. Oh, but God. we got her out the door. And hopefully it was worth it for Sasquatch <laughs> Sunset. <laughs> A movie that was pitched to us as nothing but poop, vomit secretions <laughs> yeah it, like the weirdest stuff uh and that there was no dialogue yeah so that was yeah. one thing that we were kind of intrigued by because it was also starring two actors that we really like in jesse eisenberg and riley, riley keogh not that you'd know i didn't know who was who till the ending of the movie i, I swear to you i, I thought that it was out. that guy then y'all told me who that guy was i was like really yeah. okay so then it's this guy really okay i then picked it's this eisenberg guy. by the eyes hey, i'm telling y'all right now and we keogh need... was the only girl it was the only girl so but it, it was at one point where i wasn't I was sure like, no, something was hidden something yeah, was tucked <laughs> it is somehow the most vulgar film and yet a family film yeah it is so innocent yet vile it is literally just these sasquatch people yep surviving i would argue that there is dialogue we just don't speak yeah oh yeah there's dialogue it's but just... i think you'll understand well, it some of it you get i know exactly all i know what. is we left the screening right and there were moments through it where people were walking out. Yeah, there they, is one defining moment. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> the, the, the pissing and shitting and all the things Literally that you're pissing, talking about. There is crying. like a particular the scene, crowning scene with a lot of it. Um, and, and that is the moment that had inspired the most walkouts I've seen at a Sunday. It was like a line. Yeah. A yeah, yeah, yeah. Got up and and as they're leaving, it's like we were cheering their exit <laughs> because the, other, the rest of the theater was cheering like crazy. We left the theater and there were boys. Sasquatching, whooping, whooping to the bus. It was crazy. It was a concert experience. Some people are going to absolutely hate it. I get that. Oh, yeah. I appreciate the commitment. This is like Planet of the Apes level when it comes to the costumes. Sasquatch Sunset. It's also like number 10. Very somber. 
if you yes. actually really consider what it's dealing with and like how it's progressing, it's like very depressing. Yes. Yeah, agreed. No, and they just don't know enough to be depressed. To even exactly. Know yeah. yeah. They're, they're, it's very much like an animalistic movie. It, it's, yeah. it's sort of about primal urges and and also just like communing with nature and existing off nature and yeah. then the the uh, interference of people with nature and stuff like that. So I think there's actually like a lot of really interesting. There's, things. A, there's a lot, lot going there. on there. Yeah, even if it is ultimately like kind of a funny, yeah. you know, apes make weird noises type of movie. But yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I ended up having a number eight on my list. Damn. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's funny. And I, I oh, also yeah. think like even the the stuff that is putting a lot of people off, the the like, this is Jesse Eisenberg and Riley Keough pissing and shitting for two hours. Like, I think that's really overstating it. it it's is. not that much worse than your average gross out comedy. Yeah. Like, it's no. basically the bridesmaid scene, right? Like, the, yes. It is. <laughs> but people are paying like 25, 30 after the high elevations to get sure. here. And to them, this needs to be the biggest thing. To you sure. and I, it's like, oh, yes, another Wednesday I screening. <laughs> I can get why people are walking out and why some it people really didn't like it. But, like, it's also, like, not, not super super absurd it feels like in character yeah right yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like animal planet without adam did we just you know? know going in like we're just we knew We've what to embrace for ourselves it. for it yeah. That's well I'm now you go. are too it yeah. is in our top 10 but go into it knowing knowing what you're gonna get and i think if you if you like that it's you're gonna get a beautiful story there we go. So Sasquatch Sunset, Arturo ooh, has ooh. it at number 10. I put it at number eight on my list. Uh, for my number 10, I'm going to start us off with Between the Temples. Oh, nice, this nice. Is the new film from uh, Nathan Silver, also co-written by him and C. Mason Wells. Notably, it's uh, Jason Schwartzman and Carol Kane stopping, starring opposite one another in sort of a like later in life Harold and Maude type of story. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, it, it's really clever and fun as, as this sort of... Um, later in life coming of age movie about these two broken people who you know kind of fix each other in mm -hmm. a way he plays a cantor who's recently lost a wife uh she play she plays also a widow who is sort of discovering her judaism later in life and the movie's got this really fun energy because it's a little bit prickly they're a little bit um ab abrasive with each other you know it's not all like hugs and handshakes yeah. but it's also got this real charm to it they're very funny and kooky opposite each other it's very sweet in the end and i think the movie also builds in a really uh strong way i, I the there's a dinner scene late in the movie where everything's sort of just finally hits and you, it's a showcase for the performances because it's got a, a whole collection of great performers in it yeah. aside from schwartzman yeah for sure and uh kane I really responded to it. I, yeah. I think it's just a, a really kind of charming indie comedy, melon comedy or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I had a number number 10. I know you got it in your honorable oh, mentions, easily. too. Yeah, it, it was creeping right up on there because yeah, this is as a really great ensemble. That dinner scene that you mentioned was top tier. I've never had a more like Jason Schwartzman shut up. Jason <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but that shows his rage. You oh, know? for I know sure. I know loved sure. him last year in Asteroid, Asteroid. And then here he's a completely different person. It's so opposite. He's like looked his, He looked and acted his best in yeah. Asteroid City, and mm -hmm. this was like the schlubbiest they've ever made him look. And he was great. He was great. I love that. Pumped thing. him full of mudslides. Yeah, yeah, they did. All those oh, mudslides. We should have got some. <laughs> Not a good pick. Yeah. So uh, I got Between the Temples at my number 10. Amanda, let's hear the start of your list. Um, I'm going to go with Freaky Tales just because okay. I'm the only one who's seen it, and I really liked it. Uh, I think it helps that a lot of the initial reviews were bad, yeah. uh, but I do think that is a lot of like people showing up. For Pedro, not really looking at the description of what the movie <laughs> is or caring about what it is. This has kind of got like this very, it's about like the Bay Area uh, and, and like around like Oakland and stuff. So it just has that very, you know, people are wearing like rancid shirts. You got Operation Ivy, like punk, punk bands and stuff. So like I always really respond to that kind of stuff. But then it kind of has 
three different sections dealing with three different aspects of that culture and how they kind of intertwine in weird ways. So I, I really liked it. Like stylistically, I thought it was really fun. Um, I can definitely see why some people wouldn't like it. But uh, no, I thought uh, there was a lot of really standout performances. It just kind of reminded me of something that I really, really would have loved when I when I was younger, like not quite an SLC punk, but like kind of in the vein in areas. Uh, I do think Pedro's section was really good. Uh, at times, it, it almost starts feeling like a kind of like a Kill Bill style movie at one point. Like it's like it's fun. It's just like a really fun movie. And some people are like, it's too much of other things. But no, I thought it, I, had, I thought it had good vibes. I was a fan. Present? What? Is it in the present or is it like in the 90s? It's in the, it's like the, yeah, like 90s, 80s. Really? I have the oh, date and okay. I can't remember what it is right now, but like it might be another 89. I feel like there's a lot of movies gotcha. that were in 1989. We have a lot in that decade. Yeah, so I think year. it's definitely older, not okay. current. Yes. Yeah. And you're not normally somebody who responds to anthologies too. So. No, but this was like an anthology where everything comes together. So it made sense. Like mm. all of the stories connect in some way. So like you get to one thread and you're like, okay, that's this person over here now instead. Uh, so it worked and it was nice. Amanda gave us an anthological TED series, t- TED talk series on why she doesn't like anthologies. It's true. I did. And it all cohesively yeah. came together at the end and I, I agreed with her. Yeah. So I'm excited for this one. It, it'll be our last showing. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. At least in theater. You'll get in. Uh, let me know what it is. I'll, I'll get in there by the second anthology. There we go. All right. So uh, number 10 on Amanda's list is Freaky Tales. Let's go back to Arturo for his number nine. The one documentary, if I'm not mistaken, right here. Listen, he was mistaken. Daughters would end up being the final movie that I saw from the festival, and that was after we shot this at the Airbnb. So this is post-recording art shouting out Daughters because that's not only an incredible documentary, but it is one of the best of the fest. There was a lot of good ones, and I'm going to mention the other ones in my honorable mentions. And uh, one I'm hoping makes y'all's list. But for me, it was one that I was very intrigued about dealing with rap music and in particular lyrics being used against you. As We Speak is a documentary that comes from filmmaker J.M. Harper, who has edited some really good stuff in the past. Very rap centric in the Sundance short. Don't go telling your mama. Yes. He had uh, helped edit Genius here. The way that he's able to put the lyrics for the artists that he's following, Genius. The specific cities that he goes to to understand the roots of why people rap and honestly just vent the way that they do using this art form was beautiful. I also like that he doesn't stray away from the fact that, yeah, some people are snitching on themselves in these lyrics and gets to the root of where that comes from. I think it was a fantastic documentary, some really good talking heads or really interviews that he was able to do. And I thought the, uh, the style of it, having the uh, subject who he's following, the rapper, almost Kemba. do recreations mm-hmm. uh, was really interesting. And then, uh, again, the editing still on point here. As of right now, it is my favorite documentary and makes my number nine spot as we speak. Keep it on your radar. Nice. Yeah, that's one that I think we were really had anticipating yeah, coming bro. in as well. And yeah, it, I mean, it, it dives into a fascinating subject in a fascinating way. I think it's got some stylistic flair to it, too, that um, j- just gives the documentary a bit of energy. That history on the drums? Yeah, yeah. That was, cr- mm-hmm. whoa. It's like, okay, so they'd say the way he was able to bring up that it's way more deep-rooted than the, the, the latest rap album. It's like there's there's history to this and, and like uh, patterns that that have been throughout history. I like that as we speak, bro. All right, so we got As We Speak, number nine on Arturo's list. For my number nine, I don't think this is going to make uh, Arturo's list, and it definitely didn't make Amanda's. <laughs> I have In a Violent Nature. Uh, this is a really... <laughs> definitely not making <laughs> it. Not my list is not here. Uh, this is a really interesting 
a new horror film that okay, was in the midnight section boy. that's coming uh, coming from IFC Films and Shutter, and yes. hopefully not too long. IFC Films, that's the special one right there. Yeah, um, and it, it does this really interesting thing, and it's essentially like you you ever go to a restaurant and they serve you like a deconstructed something, like a deconstructed yeah. PB and J. Yeah, it's like this is your Aline of horror. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The Aline, it's an Aline approach to the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. Boy, was it deconstructed? Yeah, because it, it it really strips down the idea of this almost Jason-like yeah. killer, this like big, lumbering, almost like zombified kind of slasher. Literally Jason. Yeah, <laughs> who, who chases the, these, John. you know, kids in a remote area, right? Um, but it just sort of like strips it down to its barest details. There's lots of, it's lots of shots from the backs of people's heads of them walking in the style of the Gus Van Sant films yeah. like Elephant. Um, it, it's uh, there's no score, no soundtrack whatsoever. It's just the sounds of nature, and the the soundscape is really cool. I, I actually meant to tell this to you before, but during the Q and A after the movie, they mentioned the sound mixers of this film. They haven't worked in movies previously. Oh, Their wow. previous work is in video games. That makes sense. They wanted that to get sense. people who are used to creating a, a sound loop of walking. Because for... I was going to say, it literally felt like playing the Friday the 13th game that's like Dead by Daylight. Yeah, where like that's somebody what plays... we were coming home. That's what it felt like. There's this intro scene, like you're saying, when you're walking around with him. And as he's going through, you just hear people talking on the left side. And it feels yeah. like when you're like, I don't want to talk to them yet in this video game. Let me go see what else there yeah, is to explore. That's exactly that is it. what this guy is doing in the video yeah. game. Yeah. Do you feel like right, he had perfect. super hearing? Huh? Do you feel like he had super hearing? I think he came did. back okay. from the dead. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like that, we've we've seen that happen in other movies, and it didn't give them special powers, you know. Like, <laughs> well, there's one. <laughs> uh, but I think the the approach here from director Chris Nash is like really really interesting. It kind of takes away a lot of the like weird bullshit in mm-hmm. slasher movies that I don't like. That inter like the characters were dumb. For reasons that the character should be, not for the reasons that the writer would make them. Right, right. Like they were, they were realistically naive. Yeah, not just like dumb slasher characters. And or you whatever. never minded the the pacing. No, I mean I can see a lot of people brushing up against the pacing, yeah. but for me it really worked. I think it got got gets you into the mood. It creates this very ominous vibe for it. Um, and then you know eventually they start the the killing start, and then it really starts going, and it yeah. it becomes extremely creative. I think we we think we can agree that it has like maybe the nastiest kill that we saw at least in this festival. And it was all downhill time. from there. I no, I think it actually was pretty pretty solid no, for the rest fair. of it. No, that's fair. Yeah. No, I know I'm in the minority. I can't remember. It's like one scene starts happening, and it just it feels like it doesn't end. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I almost walked out just because of that, and not because it was gross, not because I just didn't want to watch it happen. I was just kind of like just. Do it. Man, I thought we were all having a great time. Do it. No, I was not. <laughs> I know Amanda was like. I was fucking losing it. Fuming. I'm like in between the both of you. I am just so proud of you. Me too. To have seen more Midnights than anyone else in this Every group single is surprising. Movie in the Every yeah. single movie and some from the other sections yeah. that were horrors. So yeah. shout out to you. I'm going to send you. I'm a scream queen, I guess. I'm going to send you <laughs> Fantasia for next Fantastic Fest. Uh, I, I agree with you that some of the slow shots here were actually kind of beautiful the way he follows them through oh, these yeah. woods, through like all the shrubbery and it never gets in the way. That mm-hmm. was the one thing I was looking at. I was like, it's going to get in the way of the lens and it never does. And I'm like, all right, this is a film. Yeah, like, this is, they this is it a little bit higher than your average yeah. shutter lore that's out there. And then you get that kill that you hyped up to me the moment <laughs> you saw it opening night. And I was like, we'll see. Yeah. But he hyped it up. And this is I after was... watching a lot of gory stuff that he's like, yeah. meh. Yeah. Some stuff that's going to be on this list. He was like, it was okay. And I'm like, are you serious? So he <laughs> comes out almost two o'clock in the morning, like beaming from this, like a little boy. For a horror movie, yeah. and we sit there, damn near empty. 
Look, everyone made a noise. Yeah, just everyone. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, like, if you're going to go for it, go it's for it. Oh, yeah. This movie goes for it. It goes for it. <laughs> I think it could be so bad that you're like Amanda and find it so slow and boring. And to me, that ending, there's a, there's a I there's like a talk the that ending, happens. oddly enough. We're split there. But damn, is it worth the price of admission for that scene yes. alone? And yes. as you told me, you'll know it because well, one, you'll know it. Yeah, you'll but you, know. you're like, it's the it's what happens after the thumbnail. Yeah. So then you see it, and you're like, wait, no, there's something extra in that thumbnail. Then he does something, and I'm like, oh, yeah. there's there, the thumbnail. There it is. <laughs> it is that kill. I can confidently yeah. say, I don't, I don't think it's. I'm not saying the movie's like Hereditary, but the way that Hereditary was that movie that I'm like, fight with me. We're gonna remember this one. We have remembered it. I don't know about the whole movie, but, but that, that kill, yeah. it's cemented. It's yeah. cemented. I'll yeah. say one thing that I think I really did respond to is it, it's just they took two kind of distinct film styles and somehow married them in a way that, at least to me, didn't feel like discordant, yeah. right? Like it, they, they it, it is really like a Gus Van Sant Friday the yeah. 13th yeah, film. Yeah, it is. So just, no, like for real. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 100% really what crazy. it is. Yeah. Um, so I got it into Violent Nature at number nice. nine on my list. I think we are going to Amanda's number nine. Uh, I think I'm going to go with one we we just finally caught this morning, another doc. I'm going to go with Black Box Diaries. Yeah, great. Crazy, one. right? Um, yeah, just really crazy. It's uh, this really horrible story about a woman who was, uh, you know, assaulted uh, sexually, uh, just to put it as lightly as possible for YouTube, uh, in Japan, and has so much evidence to show what happened. Begins the doc with Yeah, it, with begins receipts. the doc with the receipts. Like, we're not waiting for the, like, smoking gun. We start with the smoking gun. The smoking gun is... Japanese government, police headquarters not caring, yep. basically implying that things didn't happen, G- getting nitpicky over 20 minute time differences when someone had been like totally inebriated beyond being able to do anything, a blackout, just insane. And this woman documenting her fight to, to prove what happened uh, and like the many emotions that come around with that, that even if you do win in the end, what you get, you still have all these people that now can publicly judge you because you've made this such a public thing that it never actually changes what happened to you. Um, so what does a win ultimately actually end up being? Uh, so it's just this very harrowing tale of her kind of documenting it. She wrote a book that I'm excited to, to check out as well. So definitely a, a very, very strong uh, doc for the festival that deals with a lot just in, in terms of how like women deal with issues and then just how like Japanese culture uh, addresses this kind of concept, especially when it's linked to higher ups. Yeah, uh, we watched it this morning together. Mm-hmm. It, it probably should be on my top ten. Maybe, maybe I'll just make it in one of my honorable mentions. I just well, forgot to add it. Yeah, so we, we were... spoke to, but you have so many of these that are because she's also the director. She's yeah. also the she's director. She's compiling all of it together. There are many ones where like people will set up a doc and they'll be like, "All right, intimate moment with my father," mm-hmm. and it's like, I feel like your dad wouldn't like react to that. But following her in here, she's got the camera set because she is her own filmmaker, and it feels more authentic because. There's not like a person there recording her all the time. It's her documenting herself. And there are moments in here where that one call she makes towards the end. It's like you are you're going through the ride through the through this journey, through the turmoil of like you're saying, proving what is already true. Yeah. To people who, like you said, don't care. Yeah. And does it even matter when you win when people have already made up their minds? Yeah. Journey is an apt way of describing it too, because you really do go through a long, uh, long time with her. Uh, the incident happened when she was twenty-five, and I think you're thirty. She's thirty-three by the time uh, the documentary ends. Uh, but it, you also 
it's not just a journey with her, but a journey through the people that she's interacting with, right? Like there's this one investigator who she's speaking with throughout the the film. And at first uh, he he's this like huge obstacle. And then you see as time goes on, how he sort of, starts to realize what, what side he should be on, who he should pursue. Yeah. And, and it's it's really interesting just to see that her perseverance being able to right. like, you know, maybe not like collapse the system, but break it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for a film that is about such upsetting things and is, is about, you know, a thing that can't be erased, that was awful. Like it still does have her victorious. Mm-hmm. You know? and, yeah, and absolutely. It's, it's her yeah. able to, her, her perseverance really like, causing a movement in in ways too so i think there's there's a lot of um triumph to take away from the film even Mm -hmm. if even as there is still a lot of pain to be taken away from the film too uh but yeah it is a very stunning documentary yeah one of the best we saw here at sundance it's also very lighthearted. that was one thing i know the editor yeah there's a yeah it's like you're really surprised you're cutting this stuff up and it's like it's a testament to her as a person they didn't want to cut it out to keep more serious or like that's who she is And it's like that that should be the approach and that that should be the example people are seeing from her. So. Yeah, that, that a victim is not just their pain, that a victim is yeah. still a f- full person who can have moments of joy and then also have moments of, of yeah. panic. Through and, and through. What a crazy to become a journalist and be like, I may not be a director for sure, but I'm going to direct the movie that's covering my case. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's, that's is, raw right there. Yeah. Black Box Diaries. Great pick. Yeah, so uh, Amanda's number nine. Let's go back to Arturo for his number eight. All right. My number eight is a movie we were highly anticipating from the premiere section that that stars a dethroned queen. Uh, I'm sorry to say. Look, she wasn't in it for too long, but Aubrey Plaza is still very special in our hearts. She just, you know, had a little bit of a... of a hiatus this year and not being in so many films but nonetheless she still showed up for my old ass which is a movie where a young girl decides to try shrooms with her friends before she moves on to college and have her whole world completely change so she gets a visit on this trip from her old ass the older version of herself who gives her uh, a little bit of advice some warnings and just a lot of confusion really for what's already a confusion uh, confusing transition in this girl's life we thought the cast was fantastic the lead in uh, Maisie Stella yes but you had a story about how she got picked up but this girl was funny yeah. so funny. funny and then that funny leads to some really emotional scenes yeah. because of how quick she is yeah it's a star making performance she's yeah. like instantly leaps off of the screen and she's you know opposite like you said Aubrey Plaza for some of this right. other people who are like experienced actors and yeah. uh, I believe this is her first film role you wouldn't be able to tell That's it because insane. she's so natural and funny and charming and you, you like empathize with her um she's really excellent in this i think you know for for people who still do have a connection to that you know really interesting time in life where you're in that transition between being a child and an adult like there's just a lot to take away from it i think we're all sort of in between where she was and where that aubrey character is a little bit older and we're all able to look back on our, our past with a bit of nostalgia. want to be the kid with the glasses. Right? Yeah. The little brother putting up posters. <laughs> <laughs> Missed those days. Uh, so I, I think, you know, there's a lot to connect to and it, I, I definitely, uh, I, I really, really felt this film strongly, not just yeah. as a very funny thing, but also just as something to, to make you appreciate certain elements of your that, own life more. And, it's emotional. Yeah, yeah. Not as profound, we would say, as her last movie. Uh, Megan Park did The, the Fallout. Fallout out of South By, which I think we collectively feel is the better movie. Nice. But this one was really fun, and it still has that heart to it, especially towards the end, where you use this mystical, magical, drug-filled uh, aspect of the movie, the, the, the route that you're taking, and you get some really 
really cute moments in my opinion so i i had to put my old ass i think it's gonna be a crowd pleaser when it comes out yeah it, it is i we should mention like more explicitly it's a very supporting performance from aubrey plaza i think that's we, what i'm saying yeah like she's definitely going to be in the movie less than you're anticipating there's scenes that she's but in that she she's not told, really in. yeah but then she totally facilitates like the the gut punch moment yeah 100 like, the biggest gut punch moment would not hit as hard if she, if she wasn't was always there, there yeah, yeah. 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 Oof. Uh, I had it in my honorable mentions. I, oh, I liked okay. it a lot. Same. Yeah. So yeah, my old ass that is arts number eight. I already said my number eight, which was Sasquatch Sunset. So let's go back to Amanda for kind of the same mood when you look at it. I'm gonna go uh, with a different man here. I okay, think. let's I go. Think I'm gonna pop that My in. number seven. Let's yeah. do it. Oh, my number yeah. six. Hey, okay. All right, <laughs> we can save it then. I guess. We Thanks. Can so I guess it, right now. This is, so I guess it wasn't top five for me. <laughs> <laughs> Is up there. Um, I think this one was a really interesting look at. Uh, so it's basically stars Sebastian Stan. Mm -hmm. uh, he was somebody who was born with a uh, disorder that basically makes your face grow a bunch of tumors and stuff. So you yeah. end up with a, a face, deformity, face, yeah. facial deformity. And uh, how he wants to be an actor and then finds out that there's a way to kind of remove all of those tumors and, and not yeah. have to, to He goes deal under with like it. a medical procedure. It's a med yeah, a medical procedure. Uh, and then you kind of see how like the positive ways that ends up changing his life. But then something happens where he realizes that maybe he wouldn't have had to have changed anything mm -hmm. at all. And he could still have everything he wanted. And it's all really about the confidence you have and how much that deeply it. affects his life. Uh, I don't even know how to talk about this without really spoiling it. Yeah, no, but it's... It, it does a really interesting job of sort of like examining representation and sort of the the roles that we even sometimes are willing to give ourselves, right? Because yeah. if you if you don't feel like you have the confidence or the the model to go do something, you maybe don't. And it, I don't know, it just it has those like Hitchcockian vertigo elements to yeah. it that are really really interesting. Uh, it, it's both like a kind of existentially. Uh, torturous film in some ways but it's also just a very funny comedy like a darkly mm -hmm. surprising comedy uh sebastian stan is, is really really incredible it's in great this. Isn't it? uh we should shout out the makeup which unreal because i didn't think it was, was a makeup. different character yeah. i thought, thought it, it was, was a different person actor, and i'm yeah. like that actor really got his voice down this is this is wild incredible. yeah and then we get hit with no it was all makeup and i go what <laughs> but e even there i think the film does an interesting job of even interrogating that kind of special effects makeup too. all right so let's like talk it's all about part that. of the mm -hmm. plot you and i are still split on nathan fielder's a rehearsal <laughs> i mean i'm still extremely positive on nathan that's fielder's what i'm saying rehearsal. we're split <laughs> this is a movie that covers all that stuff that you're saying mm -hmm. about critiquing the makeup while doing the makeup in a movie about makeup and saying this is the solution of what it should be and i'm like then dealing with the actor who isn't playing the actor because you need a bigger person or else you wouldn't have gotten that money. And thus he's proving it because he's made other movies where he didn't get the money. The Q&A that he had for this was like fantastic because he's literally filling in everything that's happening in the movie and kind of telling you like, yeah, this is a response to everything that I did. Anything that you'd critique this movie for. Oh, Sebastian Stan shouldn't have played that. Yeah, y'all didn't watch the last one. Now he did and look at how packed this place is. It's so smart in that sense. That I, I'm surprised it didn't make my top five. That's how strong I think the rest of the festival is. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be some people's favorite movie of the year. And if you're a big fan of A24, it don't get any more A24 than this. Maybe. You know, that's Maybe. actually <laughs> I hate that I understand what <laughs> you're, you're saying. saying. I know, right? You hate it, but it's true. <laughs> it is very neon, very titan. Yeah. 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 It, it's exploring a lot of really fascinating ideas. It is a very rich film. I, I feel like... Some of its conclusions, I'm not so sure, are as Why? interesting as its questions, but it's still like just a, a movie that I haven't been able to stop like 
it's gonna be considering. Better. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, look, I got it higher on my list than yours. I got it on my number. I, six. I honestly feel like if I had seen it, <laughs> it's fair. I feel like if I had seen it before something, because there's just other movies that are like fully occupying my brain yeah. still that I want to revisit. That no, the other ones are just better. It's a good year. I'm telling it's you, a it's a good year. year. It is. Also, uh, shout out Adam Pearson. He was the one who was yeah. in Under the Skin. Yeah. He was also in uh, the director's previous movie as well. Yeah. And the, the charisma this man comes in with was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Uh, this is one of two films featuring Renat Rainsvi. Uh, and we, I think we think it's better. This one's even better. Yeah. It's definitely better. She is going full English. She was it's definitely, fantastic yeah. in this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, really intriguing film. I'm, I'm hoping people like catch it. up with it. I, like it it, I think this is a movie that's going to not do like very well on its initial release. And then there's going to be like a bunch of people on Letterboxd who are like, this movie's actually one of the best movies. You know, like it, it's going to be, it's going to get like a bad cinema yeah. score. Oh, and, and smacks. Damn. Yeah, but uh, A Different Man, a uh, great choice. One of the most interesting films we saw at the Sundance Film Festival. I uh, think we are back to our chart for number seven, which was A Different Man. Mm-hmm. So back to me for my number seven, uh, which is going to be Presence. This is getting the bad cinema score. And then the love <laughs> Mine's for Yeah, that's my number five. Okay, cool. They told me there was one thing to look out for this. I'm sitting in second row. Ten seconds in, I go, got it. <laughs> <laughs> This and is I'd really still argue film. it's good. This is a really interesting film. I liked yeah. it a lot. Uh, from Steven Soderbergh, who is taking an interesting approach to the idea of like a haunted house style movie. Uh-huh. Um, there's been a lot of films this festival that have looked at the horror genre or horror subgenres and been like, what if we change the perspective? What if How does that change crazy the Crazy house? Yeah. Yeah. What, what if from the perspective of Nick Frost's mustache? <laughs> no, um, it, this film particularly presents... Uh, is really giving you like a very kind of creepy sort of haunted perspective on the story of like a presence being occupying a house. Uh, It's about a family that moves into a new house and there's a spirit that's sort of sitting there watching them. And I think Stoderberg, because he is such a craftsperson, is able to craft this very unique style for the film. It's very deliberate. And I I, like it's like a style that, is impossible to not notice, yeah. right? Especially if you're too close to the screen where you might get a little bit motion sick from it. But I think it really does an excellent job of sort of flipping uh, the whole genre on its head, just sort of really changing the way the way in to t- telling a story like this, that it is through these kind of fleeting memories. It's through these like gr- glimpses of moments rather than like scenes that kind of play out to the full extent of what you want to mm-hmm. see. Um, I, I thought it was just extremely bold and really kind of does a great job of giving you an unsettled, creepy feeling. It may not be like a boo jump scare type of horror movie, yeah. but at, at, in terms of exploring these types of stories, it's one of my favorite ter- sort of ghost stories I've seen in quite a while. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. It's funny. I think we were talking about energies even before watching this movie, just energies in houses and, mm. and stuff like that. Uh, and it really kind of is just playing on that that idea of like an energy can inhabit a space, but then also that time doesn't necessarily have to be linear, which I think we dealt like there's another movie that dealt with that too, that yeah. just time is kind of going on in like this weird little thing. So it's really dealing with that. Uh, and I just thought it was so entertaining. I will say one of the characters does feel a little cringe if i can just put it just i didn't mind really so though yeah it's supposed to be he's supposed to yeah. be but there's also like i feel like there's too far i feel like there's a level that's almost too far that maybe like other characters would notice how cringe it is in the moment i don't know but um no but yeah. it's fair but it's it's more that like for what that character's done you can't be that cringe you could only get away with it one time but didn't be that cringe i don't think you could get away with it multiple maybe. times maybe either way that was my only thing i don't even mind um i will say the the time he was the most cringe 
I kind of lost track of what he was saying because they were playing a really good song. But I knew what was coming. Like once I once you figure out what's coming and there's like a line someone says earlier and then when someone else says something else and you put those two things together I was just like waiting for it to play out the way I expected and it did and sometimes that's not satisfying but to me it was like I feel like I've been rewarded yeah. for paying attention to something a character said yeah I don't think it it made it obvious it, it was there to connect the the dots if you are, are looking for it but I think the way the way the film resolves itself is actually really really satisfying I liked it a lot in a yeah. way that I don't know if all these like films of this style are typically satisfying yeah uh, kind of it's hard for it closed to the, the book landing. in a really nice way. They did, yeah, um, yeah. Written by David Kep, who done a lot of really great scripts: Dress Park, uh, Spider Man, Mission Impossible. Good screenwriter. Look, to be fair, with Jurassic Park, mentioned... he had the blueprint. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, you, you still got you still got a no. It's true. It's good. Room. It's good. Secret yeah. window. Uh, yeah. Kimmy, more uh, Kimmy Soderbergh. There you go. Yeah. All right, so Presence. I got that at number nine. Excuse me, number seven on my list of best ten films from Sundance. Amanda, what's your number seven? It's my my number seven. I think I'm gonna go with Dee Dee. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go with Dee Dee. We caught this one yesterday. Finally, it was one of the ones I was really looking forward to coming into the festival because I love a good coming of age yeah. story. And it was it just it immediately starts and I see a Paramore poster on the wall and I was like, oh, it's for me. Mm-hmm. And then it just kept going. I knew every single song. We saw some MySpace Top Eight. We saw some AOL. Just all of the vibes um, felt so authentic. Even though I am the same age as the older sister, not him. Doesn't matter. The vibes were there. <laughs> hey, we were there in 2008. We, we there, remember. We remember 2008. It was good. It was. Uh, it felt very good. So it was one of those ones. I'm like, I'm gonna vibe with this, even if it sucks. But then, thankfully, the movie itself was actually quite good. Yeah. Very satisfying. Uh, it's another really good one that's just kind of looking at identity and appreciating family. Very similar to the mild ass vibe of people learning, like. Yeah, things can be tough, but it's good. You have to kind of realize other people's perspectives and situations too and be more open to that and just the way we change and how we gain and lose friends. Um, try to find your place in the world. Uh, and then I think one of my favorite things is that is I feel like in so many of these movies, when the kids meet the older kids, the kid, the older kids are always the really bad influences. Mm-hmm. In this one, the, the older kids were like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't smoke weed. Mm-hmm. I don't do that be nice to your mom. Like, and I, I like that. I like that vibe where it's almost like you feel like you have to overcompensate for how young you are in a way that isn't actually necessary. And yeah, so I just thought it was really nice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's a great coming of age film and I think it does a good job of, um, as you mentioned, it's not like the external influences are turning him bad or something. It's like you have to just, you just have to grow up. You have right? to grow up. You yeah, and we all to, do it. We yeah. all have to do it, you know? Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It, I, I think it really handles the ways that growing up is is scary but exciting but also really hard to figure out in a really really well uh in a really well executed package because it's like he he's just this really sweet kid who is trying his best but is it, it doesn't have a pathway for him and yeah. he, he's carrying the, his own sort of embarrassment over who he is and how he exists but I don't know. I, I think it's just really, really beautifully told. Um, it's also, as you mentioned, one of those movies that uh, is so, so firmly placed in a time that, like, I just get these very visceral flashbacks to it. Like um, things like the the chatting with the smarter child. Aimbot yes, the smarter that just, child. Like, unlocks a portion of your brain you that you forgot, forgot about. about. And and being goofy in front of webcams because we had just first got them, and none of this like being sexy never would have ever occurred to us at the time. Because mm-hmm. like, why? What is that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just really nice. It just felt authentic, um, which is a thing that can be thrown around easy. And it just, it didn't feel like they were just throwing in references for the sake of having a bunch of references thrown in. It felt authentic to the time period of like, these are the things I remember loving when I was 13 in 2008, 
or, or like 14 and then putting that in the movie. Yeah, the the director spoke afterwards in the Q&A about how, you know, he w- he was trying to capture what life was sort of like and we we spent a lot of time in that era just like sitting on the computer. Yeah. You know, the screen life technology didn't really reflect that era back then, but now we can and it really did, like the the feeling of like sitting on your computer and receiving DMs and that sort of like yeah. altering your social situations. Like it just, yeah. I think movie it captures was. that are really well. Like searching just a couple searching. years ago was yeah. the yeah. next category. Mm-hmm. Now this is like a whole ass searching movie. Yeah. But and it's, it's, it's just, re- it's, it's just regular. It's been normalized since but then. But this is such a yeah. time period that's hard to, I think it would be really good to see something because it, it, it's, this was when you first realized and maybe didn't realize that somebody could ruin your life right. by knowing your password. Mm-hmm. You didn't think, oh yeah, sure. You can have my MSN password. What are you going to do? Talk to a bunch of people as if they're you and ruin your life. Yeah. Like it's, you know. So uh, shout out writer director Sean Wang, who yeah. uh, we've shouted out before because they made the uh, 99 White House short that's now Oscar nominated. Rooting for. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But Wake it, up, get get an Oscar nomination, premiere movie at Sundance. He's like, Decent. I'm 29. Decent. But this is also the story that we try to talk about a lot when we talk about those shorts, right? Because sometimes those shorts are introducing you to the next mm-hmm. filmmakers you're going to like. And it, it just so happens with Sean that it's happening like immediately. Yeah. So um, hopefully people get a chance to check out Didi. You had a number seven. I put it all the way at number four nice. on my list. I liked it quite a bit. We might hear about it again. Oh, yeah. Uh, but let's circle back to Art's number six i think we're six. at six yeah i got my spotlights in here two movies that y'all saw at multiple festivals festivals prior to me oh gotcha. finally got the chance to see them in hitman and how to have sex the two h's over here oh, hitman h's. we have a whole video Very for different. and i think would definitely be the one that solidified right here at number six because this was everything that people have been raving about and some Richard Linklater knows how to blend genres mm-hmm. like a, a master. And he's got a dude who he's been working with for a while, I think, firing on all cylinders as this pretend assassin, a pretend hitman who's trying to stop other hitmans who then maybe becomes a hitman. Yeah, Glenn Powell, uh, you're talking about. Glenn Powell is incredible in this movie. He has the charisma that people have been seeking out for a movie star that they claim no longer exists. Um, what was his lead as well? I'm blinking over here. Um, uh, Arjuna? Yeah, Adria. I don't Adria, know. Adria. Fantastic. Yeah, they have the scene in this movie. They do. Uh, it got picked up by Netflix, but if you can see this in a theater, do so because it is incredible. Whereas How to Have Sex is picked up by movie, and you may need to watch that at home. You might. It's <laughs> because probably, that, it was, that as, as y'all told me when y'all saw it from your respective festivals, that is a tough watch through and through, but it has some of the, the best young performances of the year as these girls travel uh, abroad and end up in a scenario where they start questioning everything that happened as it's happening as well. Um, so both movies that I would have here as my spotlight category. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought How to Have Sex was, was pretty fantastic when I saw it back at TIFF. It's subtle. Like it, it's very subtle to yeah. the point that, like I said, if you remember from the con video, we had a grown man arguing with five women on a bus ride back. That should have been to the, the center the, area. The flag in the field already. Yeah, literally. How, how and without spoiling the comment, how would she have fallen asleep that fast came up? And it was literally just five people being like, why would that matter? What's the difference between being asleep and pretending to be asleep? You know, like. Yeah. Heated. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing that is really commendable about it is the way that it just sort of feels so um, unadorned, not dramatic. It, it's just kind of like stripped from life. And, and yeah. 
Um, a lot of things are underplayed in that movie that, in a way yeah, that just exactly. makes, it feel, makes it feel that much more real. Makes it mm-hmm. makes you feel that much more mm-hmm. effective yeah. too. Uh, so shout out to director Molly Manning Walker, and also you were shouting out uh, Mia McKenna Bruce. Who oh, she was fantastic. Kind of, kind of is like mini Florence Pugh in the yeah, movie or something. She's so she's great. incredible. Right? No, yeah, she was really she's good. So good. I thought you were going to say that Richard guy as <laughs> the other director. He's coming up, but no, yeah, she was good. All right, so uh, a duo of films that premiered elsewhere at Arts Number 6 with Hitman and How to Have Sex. Uh, I think I talked about my number six already, which was A Different Man. So let's go back to Amanda for her number six. I'm going to go with Thelma. Okay. I had such a good time with Thelma. This is, it's like a movie, this poor grandmother falls for the, you know, your grandson's been in a horrible accident, needs X amount of money to get out of jail because of what they caused. So now you're both worrying for their well-being and the fact that they're in jail. Uh, and it's fake. And then, you know, you find out it's fake pretty fast. But by then, she's already made her way down to the post office with $10,000. And this becomes her journey of getting that $10,000 back yeah. because she is sick of people treating her like she is ready to be put out to pasture and wants to be useful uh, for a variety of reasons. And it's uh, it's really nice. And you kind of get a nice uh, character arc through her and Fred Heckinger's mm-hmm. character, who is mm-hmm. the grandson, because he's kind of has to almost on the opposite end of the spectrum where he, his parents are kind of treating him like he's also someone who can't function and handle themselves and yeah. having to learn that, you know, he can take that step out. They so baby them both. They baby them both. It's, it's, it's like the horseshoe theories that you're, when you're really old <laughs> and really young, you're kind of like more close together than when you're in the middle. And like, they're taking that to the extreme when he should be well outside that horseshoe r- ratio. But yeah, I thought it was really fun, really delightful. Uh, June Squibb or Joan Squibb? June. 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 So good. Yeah. So fantastic. She learned nothing from Nebraska. She learned nothing from Nebraska. Uh, and I really liked in the Q&A, the director said, you know, uh, you know, watching Tom Cruise uh, jump off a plane feels exactly like trying to watch my <laughs> grandmother get on a bed. You know, it feels like just as extreme a stunt. And, and yeah. I love that. And Because she they, did her own stunt. She did her own stunt. So she's like rolling off couches it's and cool. stuff. It's cool. I, it's it was fun. like a little corny, yeah. but I thought it was adorable. I, mean, I liked it, it. It's basically like a parody of a Liam Neeson action movie. It is, yeah. You know, because it's, it's got it's the sort of revenge story that we've seen so many older uh-huh. actors do just yeah. this time it's a much older actor yeah so they are they accommodate that by making it a little bit like cute and yeah lips yeah that's it's like they treat the they treat like rolling over on the bed like it's her jumping yes. out of the plane mm-hmm. right and it, but it's you given that dramatic it. you feel it yeah. you're like yeah. oh my god grandma you're gonna break your head that end, you know like, that ending that like ending sequence when she's ready to go all yeah. out i thought <laughs> I thought it was raw. It's Dude, cute the whole it. movie, and then she means business. She means business. Plus, her first leading role, which I still like. I don't get that. She's ninety something years old, and this is her first leading mm-hmm. and executive produced role. Yeah. So shout out this guy for having a good relationship with his grandma. Yeah. So her real one hundred four year old grandma. Damn, huh? that's wild. Yeah. Hundred what? Hundred four. I heard you said forty, bro. Hundred four <laughs> still. It's crazy. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Right. did her own stunts. <laughs> Thelma makes it to number six on Amanda's list. Uh, Art, can you slide over just a tiny bit because you're a little bit further out of shot? All right. Let's go now to Art for his number five. We're in the top half. Yeah. All right. I know this is going to come out in somebody's top as well. So we'll see who has It's What's Inside. But that is mine at number five, a movie that we're going to be talking about more. All right, cool. So it's what's inside makes arts list at number five. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, my number five is Will and Harper. I also think that's going to be a bit no, higher. No, it's not. Not horrible. I told you I got one doc that made it. Wow. Okay. So. Yeah. Wow. I'm surprised that you liked it then. Why wouldn't I like it? I love Will Ferrell. Top five? Yeah. I just didn't oh, think wow. you got enthused. Well, you were sick when you guys came out of it. Yeah, I was really I was, sick. Oh, yeah, you were, yeah. yeah, it was the sickest you've been. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, Will Ferrell and uh, Harper Steele. It's in my top. It's in my top docs. Don't get, don't get twisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get twisted. Will Ferrell and Harper Steele uh, are long friends. They mm-hmm. worked on SNL together. They worked oh, on a bunch of movies yeah, together. Classic bits. Uh, Harper has more recently transitioned. Mm-hmm. And Harper, prior to transition... Uh, love to go on these road trips throughout the throughout the U.S., stopping in random bars and stuff. We didn't get the the not the Keystone, the Natty Light. Yeah, we didn't. We did you get tried. the Scorch and Pringles though. No matter what, you had to right? get it in fifteen packs. Oh, we did get the Scorch. <laughs> we got the Scorch. The idea was that they have not changed at all. They still like they're this trying crappy to do, beer. Yeah. They yeah yeah trying to do the things that uh, they used to love. And yeah, so this she got is me craving this one. was a chance <laughs> for uh, Harper to try and go on this road trip that yeah uh, br- brings her so much joy. But with Will Ferrell there is kind of like a safety buffer or like a a uh, comfort blanket yeah. or anything like Him that. Him to also understand. Which, yeah. To me, this is a friendship movie through and through. That's the thing. And ultimately what it is is like it's a chance to hang out with these two friends who have been through so much together who have this deep love of each other are extremely funny and particularly funny Mm -hmm. opposite each other because they have this great uh, comedic back and forth yeah Uh, and it's just a a really it's a really great chance to you know be in this friendship and 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 experience what it's like to kind of like redefine but also strengthen those types of bonds Mm -hmm. Uh, and I I thought it was really fascinating I mean I I don't know if it's going to be like a, a huge uh, tool for trans people, but I do, I do hope, hope it will be a tool for cis people who yeah. maybe don't understand that situation. Yeah, and I think that's more, sorry not to cut you, sorry, I just, I do think that's kind of more important right now. Yeah, and that it, is a tool for trans people, no? I, I would say that it's more, I, it's the benefit. I haven't seen it, but just based on what I've heard, it just seems that it's more that it's, you know, if you're a trans person, you've gone through this, you know yeah. these emotions. This is right, more to let... You're not learning anything new from not learning the anything. people who you will interact with. Yeah. Here you go, study Yes, that's what I mean. So you're that, my teammate a, on this earth. Yeah, like, but I just mean, it's not it's not going to be a tool for a trans person oh, to realize sure. yeah. something about themselves. It's still beneficial. It's beneficial. Yes, I, yes. Yeah, no, but we're not saying it's not beneficial. For the Will Ferrell fans out there? Mm-hmm. Oh, my and word. And that's the thing, is, and I think... That's the profound part of uh, it. I, hopefully, Will Ferrell is the kind of person who kind of like cross boundaries and, and, and political leanings and stuff like that and can, can maybe help get that kind of message Even for across. the haters out there who may not enjoy Will Ferrell as yeah. much as others out there, I, I think even they... I don't know who would say that. I don't know who I don't know who would say that. Will Ferrell. Yeah. But he, it's he just, he's so, he, he's so like... I don't Goofy know. that you can't take him serious. Like you just feel that there's good energy in the room. Yeah. I think he does a really good job of like both um, 
making things more comfortable and fun, but yeah. also reading the moment. And it's not just like him constantly goofing off. It's also he's able to have these real conversations. And when he can't de-escalate something, that's where you go, wait, wait, wait. It's making Will, Will Ferrell uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's like, uh, I think, a, a really big part of the documentary as well. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's also just this uh, uh, opportunity to showcase some other funny people. And they, they have all these very funny friends who they meet along the trip or, or call up and stuff like that. And look, if you just are a fan of comedy films that have come out yeah. for the past 20 years, there's probably going to be a few people who show up that you love. The way they do montages is so sick. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, and by the way, this was our time in SNL. And they won't even like, they'll just hit a cowbell. And I'm like, oh, you're not. Any other documentary would have been like, do you remember how big this sketch was? Yeah. They just ring the cowbell and they move on to the next thing. And I'm Good. like, bruh, y'all have so much history together. It's not even funny. But let's be serious. I, I understand this could be a, a tool. I understand it could be a lot of things. But this might win. Best original song at the Oscars. <laughs> it's hey. got the best song we heard at Sundance. Because some people were crying throughout the movie. But what got me was the outro song during the credits. People Dang. were leaving. I'm like, no, no, no. No, 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 the song. We were, we were promised something. Mm-hmm. And that song hits. Nice. It's, it's really good. Mm, keep, keep talking about it. I figured out who co-wrote the song with her. Do, do you know this? Oh, uh, Please tell me you know it. I don't I actually remember, off the top of my head. I'll, I'll try to figure it out, but yeah, um, it, that was funny. I have it in my notes. I think there we go. Well, we'll we'll just cut this part down. It is the son of somebody big, is oh. all I know, who wrote it with this comedian. The son of like a really major person. I'm like, you write? No, please no. I think it's another actor. I have no idea who he's gonna say. I have no idea who he's gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> who wrote the song from uh, Hunter Biden? Hunter Biden. It's uh, the son of one Batman. Uh, Sean Douglas is his name. It's Michael Keaton's son. I had no idea. Michael Keaton has a kid? Michael Keaton has a child who has made like top 40 hits. What? And yeah, he writes a song with the comedian in this movie. It's literally like the last thing that plays in the film. It's the best part of it. What's one of his top 40 hits? I don't... Hold on. You gotta come with the receipts, man. (laughs) I mean, I knew Michael Keaton was like a funny guy, but I didn't know he... He's given prodigies or given birth to like yeah some really big people. Uh, this man's got TED talks. This man's a multi platinum songwriter. Wow. Uh, I see right here he did uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Three. So right off the bat, you know, you know, <laughs> that's my favorite there. song. Uh, he's stuff for Thomas Rhett, Plug in Stereo. I guess a lot okay. of country. He's writing for himself as well, but. I see an Oscar nomination in his future for this little jingle, personally. I hope so. It's really delightful. I'd I'd love to see them perform it. At the oh, Oscars. he's done Akon. Demi Lovato. Selena Gomez. Yeah, Demi. Like, David Guetta. He, he's been out there. Normani, who's also in, in the festival as well. Uh, none of those have been as good as the one that he has for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Will and Harper, I had it at my number five. Art, you had it in your honorable mentions? Yep. And Top um, Doc, for sure. And Amanda hates Will Ferrell. So Amanda, I, <laughs> what's your number five favorite film at a Sundance? Uh, I had Presence, so we already talked okay, about cool. it. We already talked about it. Yeah, we yeah. did. Steven Soderbergh, yeah. we win. We like right, it. So let's go back to Arturo for his number four. Uh, my number four is Exhibiting Forgiveness. Uh, one of the longer dramas in the U.S. competition, but one that comes from a director who I thought did a fascinating short film uh, in Shut Up and Pain, I want to say, where he was discussing the idea of art, uh, which he is himself an artist. He even uses his paintings in the movie, which I really appreciate because many times it's like, oh, this great artist, and they won't show you the yeah. painting because they know people at home might think it sucks. Yeah. The balls to go all in and show you this work that he's done for his own movie. And even more than that, one of the things that's really a pleasure in movies like about a songwriter, for mm-hmm. example, is where they show you a bit of the song mm-hmm. and then you see the song progress and it's like, oh, you see it to come together and it feels that much better. Yeah. They do a little bit of that with the paintings in this yeah. movie too. Oh, they take you all the way back to like where that memory came from, what instigated it, what was he feeling at that point in time? There's this one with a lawnmower. Ooh. I mean, the, 
it's it's just deep stuff. The acting performances just all around. I think it's one of the best ensembles. You've got Andre Holland, you got Andre Day, you have John Earl Jelks as his uh, his father. Anjanu Ellis is one of my favorite performances, not of just last year, but even coming out of this fest, playing his mother. Um, right at the beginning, he had said that this was not a movie about trauma as much as it was a movie about healing. We have a lot of movies where it's like recognizing the trauma and then wallowing with it or giving you an out where anybody watching the movie is like, okay, glad it helped for them, but not for me. This is like a step-by-step of seeing where the cracks are and how to fix that foundation, um, showing that it was also his father who had his own t- own turmoil that came back to bite him. We had mentioned a, a documentary that came out of South By that I had put in my top, uh, Great Photo, Lovely Life. This is great painting, Lovely Life, to that degree where everyone thinks like, oh, he had a good upbringing because he's here. He, what could he have come from? And I just, uh, I think seeing this artist as it comes from a director who's also an artist, who's made a short about how he feels his art is being sold to rich people and his own family will never be able to see it. This is just, once again, him realizing that movies are the most accessible way of putting your art, that one painting, you can get 24 frames per second and showcasing what he thinks is really important out there. You know what this reminded me a lot of? To wrap up, do you remember the movie from last year of the guy who goes back to Detroit after being in Hollywood? Oh, shoot. Yes. Um, or or is was it to live and die in LA? Yes, or to live and yeah. die and, and to live and die and live. There you yeah, go. To live and, and die and live. Go. Yeah. Uh, another very similar thing of realizing that you've made it, and it's like, but I'm still dealing with so much other stuff back home to be selling this what, how many six figure, seven figure painting? A profound, very beautiful film. I hope people get the chance to watch it. This is one I definitely want to revisit. I was kind of working while we were watching it, so I. Could, it, was, like, it was also long as the day. This is the second half too. Yeah. Where we were. Yeah, 35, 40 films in? Yeah. yeah, sometimes we're like really trying to pack in films and, and the quieter dramas I think lose out in terms of our ability to f- properly focus on them. Uh, but this is a really beautifully told film and uh, f- fantastically acted. Andre Holland in particular, you mentioned, but he's uh, such a phenomenal actor. Just, he's underrated, to be honest. Yeah, very. I mean, it's it's because he takes a lot of understated movies like this one. You know, it's, he yeah. hasn't had like that huge, huge, splashy role, but he's so mm-hmm. good whenever he gets a chance. So, uh, yeah, great also, pick. Produced by Derek Sianfrons. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be doing trivia later with these two here. They don't even know about it, but that it, that may be something on the pop quiz there. But one of the one of the better producing that we've been seeing here in terms of being able to, to get a budget and the project ready for a filmmaker to go all out. Uh, again, at 122 minutes, told a story through and through. Shout out Titus Kafar. All right. Uh, number four for Arturo is exhibiting forgiveness. I already mentioned that mine number four is Didi, which Amanda picked earlier at number seven, I think. So let's go back to Amanda for her number four. Uh, my number four is definitely higher on your list. It's a real pain. Yeah, I think so we're gonna both be... going to talk about that yeah. later. Okay. Yeah. So we can get into the top threes now, or do you want to do our honorable mentions? Uh, no, let's do the top three right now because you just had it at number four. It was a little bit later for hers, but Dee Dee was a standard of the festival. We should have seen it in a theater. We should have. I wanted to. Oh, it's, it's just you have, hard. You, you have to pick and choose Dee Dee uh, as well as like Pony Boy and several other movies were on the same premiere blocks as other bigger stuff that we were able to score tickets for. That you were going to be able to watch at home? You, you just have to make these decisions, but damn, a good movie's a good movie no matter where you watch it. Dee Dee is excellent. I actually had Exhibiting Forgiveness above. And then I'm just like quoting things about Dee Dee yeah. that is just going to live on forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a movie that we were talking earlier that the way that it's uh, edited really puts you into the time period. It, it came from the editors of Missing. I think oh, they nice. were the same Sundance class as the searching people. So it's like that makes sense. The energy, the DNA, it's all in there. Uh, the performance from the lead, Isaac Wong, who was in um, Good Boys. Yeah. Fantastic in that movie. 
my man had a growth spurt. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he kills Very different it. performance. Yeah. Oh, he's so good. so good in this. His mom's really good in this. And it's just all Yeah, that, like, all the around. shot on her face at the end. For sure. If if you can't like mid-90s, I present to you your alternative <laughs> option. And it may Mid-2000s? even be better. Yeah, yeah, I think it's better than mid-90s. I, I think, think it's, it's better than mid-90s. Yeah. But it's got the DNA. You got what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, no, it DNA. definitely has the DNA. Um, no, this one through and through. I'm going to like it more and more every time I watch it. It is my top five. Really, there top go. Three. Yeah, your top Beating three. Easily. So I don't know if you had something else to say, but I know you were talking about it with Amanda, but this was one I was anticipating a lot, and I'm I'm, I'm really happy for this director's future. Yeah. No, same. I'm just uh, I, I'm glad we got to catch it because it is one of those films, you know, you, you, you watch a lot of films at Sundance, and sometimes you have to sit with them and see what they're about and see what they're trying to do and figure out whether or not you like it. This is one where it just like fresh, straight out of the gate. Yeah. Like yeah. This is a, a contagious movie. You just can't deny it. I said freaking I haven't cussed since the eighth grade was a hilarious line. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of good stuff. Buttery. Buttery. Said in a, in a movie it was great. No, that the was context of it. Yeah. Uh, and then just Skate seeing old turns. YouTube. Yeah, old YouTube. And, and a decision that needs well. to be made with old YouTube as well. And that's what it is. It's not just the look of it, the feel of it, but then a decision needs to happen narratively for the character and all of us as youtubers go that wasn't a possible option back in the day mm-hmm. it, it, it fully fits for this period stand out knocked it out of the park dude don't talk to your mom like that it was so and good right there yeah don't talk to your mom like that i love that uh all right so uh dd makes all three of our lists but it's arturo's number three just know yo all would make my top five on uh, myspace thank you thank you top eight I don't. I never had my space. I can tell. Yeah, <laughs> I, can well, tell. I just thought he said he valued Top us more than that bottom eight. three. I took that as like he valued us even more. That's cool. That's, yeah. I mean, it is more like the top four. Like it that's is. kind of the, yeah, the primo you, spot. The, yeah, you want Whatever the I meant, that's, that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, my number three is going to be uh, Hard Pivot to Daughters. Uh, <laughs> okay, so there we go. Uh, yeah, that that to me is the, the standout yeah. documentary of the festival. It is a film that uh, chronicles a daddy-daughter dance at a uh, correctional facility in a prison. And... It's just this really remarkable showcase of what these families are going through, right? Because they've uh, been separated and they they are not, you know, these young girls in particular are not able to uh, have regular visits with their father. And uh, what the program seeks to do is sort of create a space where they can have this sort of normal interaction, right? Like for... For six hours, it doesn't feel like they're behind bars. It feels like they're at like a elementary school dance or something like that. And it's just so beautifully told in the way that it's able to articulate the strain that this has on all these different families and all this, these young children. Um, I, I think there's certain elements that they do like uh, are not telling you specifically what the fathers are in jail for or in prison for, which I think yeah. just does a really great job of centering the documentary in a space that is more productive for the the things it's trying to yeah. talk about, right? Because it's, yeah. it, it's really, really not about like what these guys did to get to the, this this place. It's that they're in this situation. How can we address these situations and how can we address it so that these, these children are, are as accommodated as possible are not as traumatized and um i don't know i thought i thought it's a film that has so much empathy it also like really introduces you into these like really incredible people like just here particularly hearing from the young girls who have lived and experienced so much despite their age because of their circumstances Mm -hmm. um it's really incredible and it's also a film that 
rather than just centering on this one interesting moment, it takes the time to really put in the work with its characters and guide you not only into the lead up, but also the the off ramp and, and the, the, the results of what this whole program has. And I thought it was just like a, a very stunning uh, piece of documentary filmmaking. I, I cried a lot at it. I I think a lot of people cried a lot at oh, it, yeah. considering that it ended up winning the Festival Favorite Award yeah. at Sundance. And the Doc one, too. So that's that's a heavy big hitter, because I think yeah. last year we had said it went to Radical. Yeah. yeah. I'm blinking on a couple Navalny. of years. Navalny. Oh, Navalny. Yeah, it's usually yeah. like a, a, a big one. A splashier movie, for sure. Yeah. But this is just one that is really, really effective, and uh, I, I can't imagine being like not unmoved by the story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I got Daughters at number three on my list. Let's go to Amanda's number three. Yeah, we're going for another big old shift here. We're going to go uh, I Saw the TV Glow. Okay. Uh, number two. Yeah, right. Number two? Nice. Let's talk about it now then. Yeah. Um, this is just that movie that we haven't been able to stop thinking about. The more I thought about this movie, the less I liked another movie. Mm-hmm. Love me. Um, there's just so much to chew on with this that I'm so excited to visit it again. Like it's my number one thing that I like desperately want to see again. Um, just with how it's, it's just so cool. Um, it is very much kind of this, this, um, this trans experience story without being overtly the trans experience story. I feel like there's a lot of different ways you could apply this to your life if, if you need it, but it really is just that horror of, not living your authentic life and what happens 40 years down the line when you realize you haven't. And like, it's the genuine horror of that. And some of the scenes are so horrific, are so gut-wrenching, are so heartbreaking. But then it has so much style with this television show that they create for it, uh, The Pink Opaque. And how it's like years later, you re- they realize like, I shifted what I thought this show was to fit my life more and yeah. now I'm going back and watching it later and it's not it's the, the same at all. It's the way that like nostalgia kind of tints your memories yeah. and you're you're become a different person as you age. So the the things that perhaps meant so much to you in your youth are, are not the same as when you first visited them. It, it, I think it, it's really intelligent about the ways that it uh, handles both media and our relationship mm-hmm. to media yes. and the ways that we kind of invest a lot of ourselves and mm-hmm. our self-identity into media. Uh, it's, as you mentioned, like a, a visually stunning film. There's a lot of imagery that is like hard to forget about uh, in a great way. Could have been in the next category. Yeah, like it could have, been, could have been in the next category. Fits where uh, it is. F- fits where it is. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really, really uh, hard to shake movie for it sure. It is, yeah. Um, and I, I ultimately left it off in my top 10 partially because I knew the two of you would uh, handle it, but like... It's also just undeniably going to be one of the stories of this year's Sundance. When we talk about yeah. 2024, 10 yeah. years from now, it's going to be the year that I saw the TV go premiered. And, um, you know, it's a movie that I think people are hungry for, but I think the people who are hungriest for it are going to feel satiated by it. Easily. Yeah. If you're a fan of Jane's previous work, you're really going to like this one. Uh, it's not going to be like a mainstream hit, but I no. think more people will like it than. Uh, those who like we're we're all going World to the World's Fair, Fair. Yeah. Um, in particular, just because of the way that it looks. This was shot by the cinematographer who did a thousand and one. Worked magic in that movie. Uh, this has some of the best cinematography easily. It has a shining performance from um, Justice Smith. Justice Smith. Yeah. Bridget. Kills it. Yep. They do well also, but Justice has this one oh, yeah. scene. One, that's what I mean. Um, that one scene where it's like you realize the full horror yeah. of what's happened and what you're kind of like experiencing is like, what the fuck? <laughs> A24 is going to give it a full release. Yep. And having seen this uh, in theaters, you need that for the music in particular. Yeah, so uh, good. It, it just comes in right in time. And I know that for a lot of people, this isn't going to be like 
a Saturday night movie. Maybe it's a little too much for some people. I think once you see the trailer, you will know that. And as long as you're prepped for that, like someone going in to watch a David Lynch movie going like, what the heck is it? This is in that realm of like, you have characters who are in a, are connecting in a psychic plane. Yep. This is an artist trying to make a piece of media that's trying to connect to you beyond the narrative of what's going on in the mm-hmm. movie, but the visuals and the phrases and the different things Everything. that they put in there. Yeah, the the wall, it, the name it, yeah. of the high school. It's the only one the... I saw twice in a the theater, and I caught on, on even so more jealous. things the second time around. I believe it. I think people are, not everyone's going to love it, but those who do, it's, are, it's gonna, over it's for y'all. They're going to be so, so annoying online. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those films that in a certain way is all instantly iconic. Yeah, like we've yes. heard it kind of described as this generation's Donnie Darko yeah. or even Videodrome, I think was another one. Like just not that it is a rehash of any of that. It's just the way that it evokes emotions yeah. and the way that it's kind of addressing with things, but then like taking it one step further in an area of media that's like really underexplored right it's now. It's a big mood. The yeah. whole thing is a big mood. And I'd say it's like down low. That yeah. cathartic feeling that we got in down low yeah. without all of the funny any and there's still some funny there's in there, but funny. it is like the most it's dreary, just stylistic. Like there is a, a yeah. soda machine that they said they yeah. imported for that one scene. So, you know, second time I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this is a painting. Because you got one character over here be- yeah. besides one certain machine, and you shipped this machine. It's also funny knowing what the machine is. Yeah. It's just details like that that uh I respect a lot. So uh, I think the people have been anticipating this. It's going to deliver. You got one of yeah. your favorite movies of the year. Yeah. It's going to be a movie that uh, inspires a lot of one star and half star letterbox reactions. Absolutely. But probably just as many, if not more, five stars. And that's the yeah. important part. Yeah. Willing to make a movie like that. That's yes. what I mean. It's, we, that's what we've been saying. It's uh, sorry, not to mm-hmm. just Please. we've been looking for movies that have like a clear, consistent take vision. A swing. And take the swing. This yeah. does it. And it actually connects really well. And, and especially doing what we do, where we try to watch, you know, several dozen movies within a week here at Sundance. It, ultimately, it's the movies that are going to inspire a bit of reaction that that stand out because, like, it, it's fine to have like a, a decent three star movie. Like, I, I appreciate those two, but like, e- even if it is something that you don't respond to, it, it's going to wake up your brain. You ever think that we're we're becoming like IPA drinkers? <laughs> Maybe you know, a little we've, bit. We drank so much that your regular person just wants to know what the good lager is, and we're like, but so beyond that, we are in. Uh, no, but I think we still enjoy Welch. the good lagers. I think we, we can do. still enjoy yeah. the good lagers. Like, Hell quite yeah! A bit. I still want to go get the. You want the natty light? light. <laughs> you know, I think we can still enjoy the good lagers. It's but we just also that know you enough to respect, like, hey, I'm gonna lady. give you this crazy pick over here that's so mainstream, mm-hmm. but also like you have to respect what I saw the TV Glow is doing. Like you're saying, they're calling it the Donnie Darko this year. Like you're saying, it is representative of 2024 Sundance. The way that those 90s movies. 90s movies were for their respective years this was the one that was sold out from every, the jump every night man every night um yeah i liked a lot more than world fair personally so Definitely if you didn't world like fair. world fair don't let that scare you off yeah. this um, but still be weary <laughs> yeah be wary <laughs> like, but like it is just it's a really refreshing movie that at, at the worst will at least make you think i think as long as you're willing to kind of engage with what it's doing and it's where art. it is you're gonna get something out of it whether you love it or not yeah that's why we travel yeah all right, so Amanda's number three. I saw the TV glow. Also, Art's number two. Uh, I feel like my number two is going to be the same as Amanda's. Maybe. Uh, yeah, it is. It definitely is. It's what's inside. It's what's inside. All right, so yeah. let's talk about it a little. My number five. Uh, Art's number five. Both of our number two. We already have a video up on the channel talking about our thoughts on this so movie. Let's go 40 more. Uh, the thing about <laughs> it. I mean, this is as close as we're getting to like this year's uh, talk to me. I personally would at least put it on the same level, if not maybe a little bit higher. You, you have it at two. I'm surprised I, you have it that high too. It's it's another one that I just had 
a lot of fun thinking about mm-hmm. after yeah. the fact. And yeah. I, I like these movies. Like these yeah. are the movies that I, I have a lot of fun with. Uh, it's one. It's I'm kind of some of these. I've just been like, what am I most excited to watch again? Right. And that's kind of where I'm putting things on the rack. Some For of sure. these I'm like, that was good. That was great. I don't want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Some of these are like, that was good. That was really good. I need to watch it again. Yeah. And that's kind Besides of where this Didi, is. How is this not the one that you could easily this give, is the give to anybody? Yeah. yeah this is, maybe this even is, more than Didi for certain maybe people. Maybe even more than Didi. Yeah. Like don't exhibit forgiveness here on the Saturday yeah, night no, exactly. or TV Glow. Yeah. It's what's inside. Yeah. This yeah, is the one that I, I saw and was like, I can't wait to like have a Halloween party. Yep. Yes. Movie. Oh my God. I can't yeah. wait to buy the briefcase. <laughs> the briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a really just like. 10 years. It, this is a roller coaster ride of, of a, a film and it might not be the, the scariest film, but it does have this existential thrilling. creepiness. It's thrilling. And, and the most of all, it's thrilling. It's suspenseful. Like it, to me, it's one of those lean-in movies because, mm-hmm. like, you, you just, just kind of want to know what they're going to do. <laughs> oh yeah, time. absolutely. It, it it just takes a really interesting premise that we are trying. We're very not hard supposed not to, to talk about it, but like role play. The characters are role playing, exactly. and they're very good at role playing. As and it, as and it does it to like the nth degree. It, it it mines it for like everything that you would want to mine it for. Um, visually, also does stunning. a lot of really stunning things. A really, uh, just very cool and unique product. Did you know. see the premise? Cryptically. Cryptically. Cryptically, it's like it's like a it's like a basically a group of friends like that a have werewolf a, game of yeah, sorts. kind of like a mafia werewolf type game. Group of friends that hadn't really seen each, each other, other in a while are kind of getting back together before one of them gets married, and then one of the friends that they weren't sure was going to show up shows up with a game. Yes, and, and then we'll the follow is that, that game. We'll leave it at that, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, no, it's like it's it's the kind of thing. It's like some people we heard some people being like, it's not really a horror, but it is. Like if you look at all of the pieces of the movie, it's it a fun is movie. a horror, but it is fun. It's funny. It's fun. It's exhilarating. But if you address the presence, if you if you if you play in with the pre- premise and think about what's happening to the yeah. characters, if you try to apply that to yourself, it's like the most horrific Absolutely. thing I could possibly imagine happening. Like there is a chance you could make the argument that being dead might be better, depending right. on what happens. You know, yeah. there's probably certain things, certain scenarios that you're like, no, I would like to be dead. Definitely. Um, maybe not. That's dark but still like it's a pretty dark concept if you go if watch i know what you're saying like to be dead but yeah like just what they're doing with like a lot of the colors and the way that it'll like pop things up yeah. some of the best editing very, so amazing editing yeah. actually amazing showcasing editing. what it's like to uh want to be have that social media mm-hmm. clout to, to yeah, yeah. The, the obsession the two characters have obsessions with the same person but for vastly different reasons right, is a right. very interesting dynamic to explore in the confines of this movie it's a very smart movie yeah it's just gonna be a good time you know yeah. we, we, there's a lot of great movies we hear we see here and they're not always like this much fun mm-hmm. this one is so much fun but also like has so many interesting details to it and ideas and is executed so well. Greg Jardin, uh, an absolutely like killed it. Yeah. yeah a, a, an announcement of a feature. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So. This is one I would have liked to have seen with the public crowd. Like we mm-hmm. caught it with, with press, which was still really good. Still the press decent, was still very engaged. Like, I think they clapped at the end. Yeah. Press doesn't clap for anything really. So did. like, Except yeah. for the great movies. Except for the great yeah. movies, yeah. Uh, we'll get another round with it at South by Southwest yes. before it eventually heads to Netflix. But uh, yeah, it, it's what's inside. My number two, your number two. Yeah. That's number five. So easily one of the best of the fest, but not the very best of the fest. Before we talk about our number ones, uh, we have some honorable mentions. I don't know if you want to go through them first, Arthur. Yeah, let me start with some docs because I'm pretty sure you guys will have my four honorable mentions. One was already mentioned, so uh, I'll stick with some docs. That better Angels Tammy doc, we had played it while trying to set up a a screen and we're just listening to the background. I think it's a very in-depth doc. We've only seen two episodes out of the like four or five they're supposed to give but out of all the media we've seen of tammy faye we keep seeing her up on the screen because she was here in the 90s with drag queen master rupaul and uh i think that was for the eyes of tammy faye look i think it's a pretty in-depth doc for the two episodes they've given us you're following like the sun 
Um, and it kind of gives you an in on what was happening to the like religion in America from the 80s, 90s. And now it didn't just affect these megachurches. Those megachurches were connected to politics, were connected to things that were happening in every people's home, especially when they were on everyone's TV. The Devo doc, kind of decent in its editing. I, I know nothing about Devo other than Whip It. Yeah. Turns out I know a little, two more other songs. Um, and also they're a serious band. I did not realize that they were actually coming in with a message. Devo stands for de-evolution. And they thought that people were being too smart for their own good, doing all this evil. And they believed that everyone should just become like, I don't know, nincompoops and that that would help the world. It's a fascinating thing that I did not realize came from a band who, when you know their biggest song from like a Miracle Whip? Or oh, was yeah, it like Pringles? Whip it. Yeah, no, Miracle right? Whip. Yeah, was Whip it. Miracle Whip? It was something, something like that. that. There was a commercial. Whip it. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I feel like it was Pringles. I don't know. I remember their music always being in commercials. And then they begin the documentary by going like, yeah, we met in Kent State when everyone got shot. And that was the evolution of the de-evolution. So Devo, uh, Frida, I caught... Who? Taco Bell ad. They actually made a lot of... Oh, I got a bigger one for you. Rugrats theme song creator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I did so know that. Mark, told me this. It, Mark Mothersbaugh is like one of the most interesting musicians out there. He did yeah. the score for Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which is one of my favorite film he scores. He starts talking about all of the Wes Anderson yeah. movies. Do you know what else he scored? What? Devo. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> so Devo's good. Uh, on the flip side of, a, of another doc that's fantastic, Frida. They edited this to perfection and it's still too short. But it's almost one of those where it's like... I don't know if you would have gotten two hours of this style of editing and you could have gotten more story. I'll sacrifice the story for this beautiful motion portraits of her work as you get to the insights just from her uh, writings, just from her letters, all the all the leaks that have happened pretty much like in Napoleon. This comes from the editor who has worked on a lot of the uh, films that um, uh, RBG um, – I'm looking at some of the other ones that that uh, the, these two filmmakers have made, but they were producers on this movie. Uh, this director finally got to step up, make her own film, Julie Cohen and Betsy West. Uh, those are premier documentarians. Their editor now made this movie and still won the editing award and not the doc award. Mm -hmm. So uh, that would be my my uh, top doc there, alongside Will and Harper, Daughters, and then obviously As We Speak that we put on there. I think you guys may have my narratives. Maybe. Yeah, Amanda, why don't you go next for your uh, honorable mentions? Honorable mentions. I'm going to go with Girl State. I did actually have a lot of fun with Girl State. Yeah. Um, I don't think it, I think it needed to go harder in certain areas. I think that the filmmakers really wanted to be, I think, more hands off in a certain area that they needed to be. I would have liked to have seen them actually get involved with the differences between girl and boy state mm -hmm. for the dock area. Uh, then I get Between the Temples, which we did already talk about. So he yeah, it, yeah, he already mentioned it Between yeah. the Temples, which I did really enjoy. Uh, I'm trying to just go for some stuff that we haven't already talked about here. Uh, oh, Your Monster was another one that was kind of like dancing with my top 10 just because of how much fun I had with it. Um, I think it's just this like really kind of cute story. I do think it does something smart at the end. Uh, I, for some reason, I feel like I've seen people not catching on what actually I happened. I love what happens at the at end. The end yeah. the end is really good. The end really sells it. It's very fun. Uh, we saw it with a very engaged crowd at the library, which seemed to be the place to be for those the wild, rowdy venue of Sunday. The rowdy, the I don't know what they put in the stairs up to the library. Yeah. It's just <laughs> Dude, the, it's the, the lack of the, oxygen up there. No, I, led, <laughs> I legitimately think it's the not the premiere showings. It's the secondary, third, fourth showings that all of the stuffy rich people are gone. The people that were able to just snap up those tickets immediately 
and maybe not appreciate the movies that they're buying tickets to and are the middle gone. Class poor people come in, and now you get all the people who are here for what that what it is. They know what the premise is. They're down. They're people engaging. They're ready for it. Yeah. So like we're we got booze when she's like kissing someone we they don't were, want her to kiss. We got cheers when like it was on exciting. the bus ride. People were naming who told them not to come to the movie. Like, yeah, vendettas out of it. Yeah, they like had literally, their own monsters. literally. I was like, y'all taking this a little too Do far. Some, yeah. It's cute though. It's I cute. It's cute. I liked it a lot. Uh, then kneecap is another one that yeah. was kind of dancing with my top ten as well. Same with me. Very. Uh, fun movie about uh, a real life Irish rap group called Kneecap who uh, most interestingly actually record a lot of their songs in the original Irish language or I guess it would be like Gaelic or whatever but um, very cool and then it's kind of have this whole side story about like preserving that that Irish language yeah. and what kind of freedom comes from preserving an initial like an indigenous language. It's got a little bit of that John Carney movie musical mm-hmm. vibe where it is sort of this like scrappy drama yeah, about these people who are a little bit down on their luck but turn to music to kind of build their lives back up and then it'll sort of in the process of writing or performing their music, it'll be them breaking out into kind of a music video sequence yeah. or something like that. Um, it's got maybe a little bit of a harder edge yeah, than some of sure. those movies too, because they are, you know, the, these like uh, partiers. And they did get pulled into actual political issues. Exactly, like they were actually yeah. seen as like this huge controversial issue. Yeah, exactly. It's like a teacher. Yeah, one of them's a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's also like dealing with the whole idea of like the occupation of Northern Ireland or the North of Ireland yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of really cool stuff in it, but it's also the, the music is fun and it's the performances are really good, even though they're using the actual members of Kneecap to act in this film. Mm-hmm. I think they're all, they're like, all really, really good. It's better than when Clint Eastwood did it with the uh, soldiers. <laughs> yeah, yeah for exactly. Sure. Yeah, Works no, a lot it was better. really good. Um, so I, I this was one that based on the description, I wasn't actually interested in because it seemed like it was going to be way more split doc narrative or just weird. I don't know. A lot know. of the other next ones. I, there, yeah. I just, I just feel like the descriptions for movies this year have been doing them a huge disservice, at least for me. So I am glad that I gave this the time because I, I really loved it, and it's been one of my my highlights of the fest. And, and Kneecap has a new fan, you know. There we go. So that's we'll bump some songs in the car on the way to the yeah, airport. Yeah, we should, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for stuff that hasn't already been mentioned. Uh, you know, Little Death was was kind of cool, just yeah. to kind of give a little nod to that one. It was entertaining. It was entertaining, but yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it for stuff that hasn't already been mentioned. Yeah, I mean, we mostly mentioned most of my honorables, but mm-hmm. I'll give a quick shout out to three movies. One is the best doc I saw that didn't make my list, which was Porcelain War. It's kind mm. of this morning. It yeah. is depressing. Yeah, it's really, it, it's depressing, but it's also like kind of like a testament to, you know, human spirit and perseverance and stuff like that. It's it's uh, all these artists in Ukraine yeah. who've essentially like put down their paintbrushes yeah. and picked up their guns and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, but it's also the film, is, you know, you talked about Frida and the way that they do the moving uh, moving portraits and that they do a lot of that in this film too, mm-hmm. where they uh, take their artwork and kind of animate it the, to bring it to life. The portrait animation scene was pretty cool. Um, they also have the, mo- the movies packed with all this like Ukrainian music too, yeah. which is really riveting and uh, kind of help set the mood in a way that's not like too uh downtrodden it's it's more like uh, there's a spirit to it there's a you know a a a celebrated a a celebration quality to it too so i i really appreciated it 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 does like tackle the war but it also does it in a very human way u.s yeah uh, produced in the u.s even though it's uh, i thought it was i keep checking it for the world it's the u.s (laughs) i'm like which one is it in yeah Um, yeah it feels Usually we get the the Ukrainian films in the world category, <laughs> right? but uh, also uh, all the footage being shot by the subjects and like you're saying them being artists was a very interesting thing because this is showing you a lot of the people who stayed. So like you're saying, they're like literally becoming soldiers just because that's the alpha you got to wear going out, mm-hmm. and they'll just be wa- like walking your dog with missiles on the ground. 
is an insane shot to yeah. showcase in a movie. Absolutely. Yeah, um, it's one of those films where you're watching and you're like, please, please don't blow up. Please don't yeah. about to show me a dead body. And and again, we've seen so many Ukrainian movies, but you know, uh, in, in the rear was them leaving. We have seen other ones where people got attacked. This is like the people who are now living there. Like, this is what it's like to survive here. Some people left, some people are gone. Some people are fighting. We're trying to survive. And that's uh, pretty profound. Yeah, so Barcelona and War, I would want to give a shout out to, give a quick shout out to Ghost Light. Thank the you. very first Thank film you. we saw here at <laughs> yeah. Sundance. Yeah. That's another good one. I think it's just a really, uh, a really sweet movie. One that has these interesting ideas about grief and about processing pain through art, and also just like the the world of community theater. And uh, I think it's all handled really, really, really well. Like a well. true indie movie. Yeah, that's what yeah, it really felt like. It was right? a strong start. Strong start. It, it reminded me a lot of the sort of like. Uh, low key dramas in like the early two thousands that would break through uh, through whether it's like I, I don't know stuff stuff like uh, Junebug or stuff like, even even something more elevated that's like um I don't know it, it, it feels like it could star uh, Steve Carell in an alternate reality yeah no like for real too. yeah uh, because it's it just got this charming quality to it too and it actually one of the few films that is like about grief that I think has something unique and interesting to say I, about I would it agree, that I've yeah. seen recently and that metal layer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. Uh, the lead actor uh, is acting opposite his actual wife and his actual daughter in the film, playing his actual wife and actual daughter. And hopefully, it's not true. But I mean, they said it really connected to them. So knowing how like, yeah, dark the storyline <laughs> yeah. is, um, yeah, I could definitely see this as it being a full circle thing about how he learns from art in a movie where the actors are learning from yeah. art as well. From Chicago too, so shout out the, yeah, shout out the family. There you go. Uh, and my last honorable mention, I'll give a quick shout to Stress Positions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that was one. Yeah. Uh, Theta, Theta Hamill, I believe is their director, writer, editor, and star of this film alongside uh, John Early, who we like a lot and is incredible in this film as like a, uh, <laughs> but yeah, a guy just sort of spinning out of control in the height of like COVID paranoia and stuff like that. This is a film that's um, set in 2020, shortly after the breakout of the pandemic. And I think really captures that time and that uncertainty, especially the, uh, <laughs> dynamics between people who have different levels of precaution towards the pandemic. I think it gets across really, really well, but it also just feels very lived in, feels very New York, feels very real to, to this community. Um, I think it's a movie that's very dense. Um, there's like voiceover and different characters coming in and out. And it, it feels chaotic the way that I think a lot of their lives probably feel chaotic within the context of this film. It's one that I want to revisit because there is just so much going on, but it made me laugh a lot. I, I felt like I'd seen aspects of people that I don't normally see portrayed in films in this one. So, yeah, stress positions. It's definitely a good one. With all the terrible things that they say, but how brutally honest they're willing to be about not knowing something. Uh, it it's very hard to recommend this one, but like we want to rewatch it. Yeah. So it's like, how do I not recommend a movie that we want to waste time rewatching? Exactly. Uh, there's a lot of really good jokes in this. He is fantastic in his physical performance. It's it's a difficult one to recommend, but it's there. Yeah. And if you're once there's a trailer out, if you're willing to give it the time, give it the time because there, there's some jokes we've been repeating. Definitely. Good pick, Amanda. No loving, lying, or bleeding. We haven't talked about our number one oh, of the I'm festival. Here. Oh my goodness! I thought it, I thought it wasn't. I thought you had something else. No. We we have the same number one, I believe. So let's go to Amanda, Amanda. for her favorite film of Sunday. 
favorites. It's like, I don't even know if it is my favorite. It's just in my number one spot right now. You gotta listen to your heart. I've been trying to do that a little bit more yeah. this year. Like, it, there's probably, TV TV Glow is probably one of the 10 best movies I saw here, but mm -hmm. it's not the one that hit me in the, That's in the chest. totally fair. Listen to your bleeding. Just, yeah, my, my love of my lives and my bleeding brought me to lesbian <laughs> Kristen Stewart, as it often does. But, you know, this is this was the movie I was most excited coming into the fest to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it looked really gritty and interesting. And for the exact reasons you didn't like it are the reasons I did like it. We both, you know, look at it as like, this is exactly what it what I thought it was going to be. And it worked for me a lot. It is this very uh, gritty story of a gym manager meeting a professional bodybuilder. And they kind of go on this journey to try to boost up this bodybuilder's chances at winning a competition. But then there's this entire other backstory kind of swirling on with this gym manager, her family, and how they kind of all get swirled in together. And I thought it was kind of interesting how it was addressed. Like, I think you watch the trailer and you might think it's it's one thing or it's just like, oh, you're just getting pulled back into the criminal life. You can't get away from it. But it's really not that. It kind of goes to very extensive levels. Um, and it's ultimately all for love. There are some amazing, not even, not even necessarily love of these two characters, just love of a family, love of people in your family, uh, which I really like. Uh, love of what you do. And uh, I just really like how it plays out. I think um, the perform like Kristen Stewart performance in particular is fantastic. We've been talking about it a bunch. There's some reactions, some comments, some dialogue that are just like so obviously her um, and authentic. They feel real. It doesn't feel like somebody even tried to script that moment. It's just a genuine reaction. It's so good. Uh, and I think it's just little moments like that that make it fun. I was at the premiere. I was in the front row. I, the whole experience was really good for me. Uh, as someone who didn't love St. Maud, I, I think that this is a step in a direction that I prefer out of Rose Glass. Very ex excited to see uh, what comes next. And I just think everybody in this movie was really firing on all cylinders, whether it's uh, Katie O'Brien, uh, Dave Franco, uh, Ed Harris, uh, even Jenna Malone. Ooh, Ed Harris was you know? great. Jenna Malone, too. She's in two. As well. Um, so really, really strong performances all around. I really just love the gritty kind of late 80s, uh, kind of verging into the 90s vibe that this has around everything. So, yeah, big fan. Um, just watch out for the context clues. And, uh, you know, not everything has to be taken like fully, literally all the time. But, yeah, it was fun. I had fun. Uh, you also were a fan of Love Lies, but we oh, talked yeah. about this. I had that, yeah, we have a whole video on it. I had that as my honorable. I, I think it's a solid movie. I think it's going to be. You have a little bit of a splash. It's going to hit with the people that it's going to hit with, yeah. you know? It's perfectly shot. I think it's a good follow-up for her. Very good. Yeah. Like y'all been saying the whole time, sophomore year for a lot of these directors, so. Yep. Stop. Sophomore step up. Speaking of, the best sophomore Ooh. jump of them all. <laughs> truly. <laughs> truly. Let's talk about my number one, your number one. The world. The people's my number, number one. Four. Even though I lost. Yeah, it, it is the uh, <laughs> Waldo Screenwriter Award. Oh! oh Waldo Salt. There you go. Yeah. Shout out to Waldo Salt. My homie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Sundance award, award winner for best screenplay, or at least in the U.S. dramatic section, the special jury prize. And winner. in our hearts. Uh, we're talking about A Real Pain, the second film written and directed by Jesse yes, Eisenberg. Sir. He stars in this yes, one, sir. unlike his last one. stars opposite Kieran Culkin as a pair of cousins who, after their grandmother dies, mm -hmm. uh, travel to Poland to go visit where she used to live and go on a Holocaust tour and... It ends up being this really profound look at the ways that different people carry trauma and mm -hmm. how different people react to their own hurt. Um, and I think it's just something that is immensely relatable, even if you don't necessarily relate distinctly to these two characters or their story. Um, it's a film that is just 
incredibly empathetic in the way that yeah. it portrays all, all the people contained within its story. I, I found a lot of it just incredibly uh, profound in the, the, the way that it's trying to elicit this empathy and thoughtful in its approach. It's also very funny, mm-hmm. kind of catches you off guard sometimes, but you have two incredibly gifted comedians who have great timing and their, their fluidity with each other just they bring in a whole dynamic that feels like they have been cousins for a whole lifetime. Yeah. The way that they just sort of shift easily between where we have to be serious to each other. We have to talk about the, we have to talk about something that's real or we throw in a joke here and we just sort of cut the tension. It, it just lived in a way that I think anybody can relate to those types of relationships. For me, it's the best film that I've seen about cousins. Uh, we, we, you know, we talked about this again at a longer video that's on our channel already. So if you want to hear us talk about for a real pain extensively, you can do that. But Art, why do you have it at number one for your, films from Sundance 2024. I think it fires on all cylinders looking at what we're about to do with the awards. I mean, it's got the best screenplay. You're talking about great editing, the way that they're able to cut around the jokes. It's all there. It's got some of the best scenes, some of the best quotes. Like we can all mention a scene or a quote and have a completely different one. Uh, Do you consider Kieran, 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 Kieran lead? I think they're co-leads. I think they're co-leads. I think think we're, sorry, you go. I think they take a a very similar amount mm-hmm. of screen time. I I, th- I think we're seeing it through Eisenberg, mm-hmm. which makes sense. It's his script. It's his. He's writing himself as himself. Sometimes when a film has two leads of the same gender, it, it it's like if if they weren't, it'd be like oh well, he's best lead and she's best actress. Yeah. But like they they both are you know equally important to the narrative. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, but I could definitely see him getting nominated for supporting. I have them both as leads right now. I was just saying if we had him as supporting then we're splitting a piece for each right there. Mm-hmm. You have all these movies that are about pretty much these people's lives, the filmmakers' lives and they'll make like a documentary maybe half and half. They won't really know what they're doing. The way he went in on this was beautiful. There are so many the things that we mentioned in a longer video about how he made this so personal. It's deeper than a documentary at that point. The fact that he has no score, but what he replaces it with makes it even more beautiful. I think this fires on all cylinders on on it being important, Mm -hmm. on it having a beautiful message. I had exhibiting forgiveness. This is doing that in a much more lighthearted way. But then also coming in with the gut punches. Coming in with a gun punch, showing you that the people who are right can be wrong and the people who are wrong can be right. Like this is covering so many bases to the point that one of my favorite aspects of the movie is how it's telling you to think of the generations that came before you, you know, twice ago then think of your parents and think about what you're suffering with at that point and i i I, to me any praise that i gave the other nine movies in here i can give to this that's how profound i think he was with this movie he's been working for years in the industry and it is an incredible feat to see someone who truly cares about the craft you know because this is the second but this is his maestro Mm -hmm. and I want to circles. see him make way more of these movies where he has something to freaking say yeah. than anything else. And that is a real pain to me. I felt every emotion yep. down to that final shot. Oh, absolutely. It is my favorite movie of the festival. And I can't wait to talk about it until the end of the year. Absolutely. Um, if It's What's Inside was this year's Talk to Me as the kind of like viral fun horror hit. Uh, this is, I think, this year's Past Lives. And I don't know if it'll... I don't know if it'll... For many? Maybe. I don't know if it's going to have the same ride that Past Lives has. It doesn't have to, but being able to push it a lot better than the people who always give us, oh, Portrait, the slow movie, mm-hmm. oh, Past Lives, and then two months later, they watch and they go, actually, it's a letterbox right there. This from the jump will finally be like, a, I don't know, every two years, we can give them the pretentious pick that they think. We're back on that rebound year of, I can, I can say this to anybody, and they're going to be like, please give me more picks, because that was everything that I didn't know I should be looking out yeah. for. I, I do think some people 
might have an issue with the ending because I think some people like little nice bows wrapped on things. Well, but it, people. But it needed this. And this ending, the, the ending is what makes it gutsy. It's another hey, ending. It's like a talk to me. Those people are Jesse in this movie. It's like a La La Land. <laughs> that it's like the ending where you're like, that is not where I expected it to necessarily end. I thought we were setting up for something different. And then okay. we are left with that look yeah, with on someone's face. Yeah. And I like the commitment. I like the courage to committing to that because either it is true or it's just the truth he feels. I love it. And, that, and that's a huge part of the movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, another another Sundance hit that's an incredibly personal drama that I think will resonate beyond the people who feel a personal connection to it. 100%. Yeah. So yeah, um, going back through my top 10, I had Between the Temples at number 10, In a Violent Nature at number nine, Sasquatch Sunset at number eight, Presence at number seven, A Different Man at number six, Will and Harper at number five, Dee Dee at number four, Daughters at number three, It's What's Inside at number two, and A Real Pain as my number one film of 2024 Sundance Film Festival. Amanda, you got your top 10? I do. Um, so my top 10 uh, in the 10 spot, I went with Freaky Tales and number nine, I went with Black Box Diaries. Number seven, I went with, oh, that's eight, I went with A Different Man. Number seven, I went with Dee Dee. Number six, I went with Thelma. Number five, I went with Presence. Number four, I went with A Real Pain, which is not a comment on the quality. It's just that so many of my top top five, all my top five could really bounce around. You know, my top four especially. Number three is I Saw the TV Glow. My number two is It's What's Inside. And my number one is Love Lies Bleeding. Excellent list. Arturo, why don't you take us home? At number 10, I'm starting with Sasquatch Sunset. Uh, number nine, my favorite documentary so far at the festival, As We Speak, dealing with rap music. My old ass, if you've ever wanted to talk to an older Aubrey Plaza, you got a movie here. Always. Uh, a Different Man, I think, is going to be a, a big hit for A24, and I think is one of their best scripts that they've written in a while. Number six, I got the duo of spotlight movies that played everywhere else and finally got to me in Hitman, one of the best movies that's going to be coming to Netflix, and How to Have Sex, one of the most uncomfortable movies coming to movie. Uh, but then my top five, It's What's Inside, like these guys, it's a standout hit. You'll be able to recommend it to everybody and your grandmother once this comes out. Also, maybe not your grandmother. Netflix. My grandma would kill that. She would love this. <laughs> For Exhibiting Forgiveness, which I'm not sure if it got picked up, but yeah, this, is, sure. this is a movie that really gets into the idea of generational trauma and how to exhibit that in your art. Dee Dee, one of the best throwbacks. This is exactly what we need when we're talking about nostalgia, using that as the period piece for a child who's growing up in that era, and it knocks it out of the park. I'm so glad it delivered. I hope he wins an Oscar in a couple of months, but Dee Dee is a standout comedy drama in my number three spot. And number two, I saw the TV glow. For those who hate it, in a couple of years, give it another chance. I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. This is that movie that feels more than a movie. It feels like a statement. And uh, this is A24's biggest hit so far this year. And they've oh, yeah. got, what, the most expensive movie with Civil War coming out? Are people have been saying 2025 is the year. 2024 is going to be crazy. And it's because of the picks that we have here, including my number one, A Real Pain. One of the standout ones that got picked up by Search Searchlight Light Pictures, yes. Which we think means... Means it should get a run later this year, hopefully. However you see it, see it, because it's going to be one of the must-watch picks of this year. All right, so those are some of the best movies to play at the 2024 Sundance Woo! Film Festival. Woo! Uh, we are wrapping up our, our coverage. We're tired. We're tired. tired. Got to figure out some food options. Got to go see Freaky Tales. Watch another movie. Yeah, y'all got another movie. <laughs> uh, by the time you see this, we'll all have left Utah anyway. So. Yeah. Oh, I was almost dicey for me. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll all, all have, left Utah. have left Utah. All of us will have left Utah. I'm going to hide in the back of your trunk. We're going to go see Argyle. It's going to be great. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready. Ready. Uh, any final thoughts on this year's festival before we do our other recordings? 
shout out to all the inner cuties, yeah. all the Jedi. I don't know what you call them, Jedi, Jedi, Padawans. Well, Padawans, yeah. all the Padawans who are out there using well, lightsabers. Mostly okayers, you know. But mostly like, okayers yeah. out there. Uh, be it virtually, be it here at the fest, it's always the best part. Talking movies with everybody. I mean, we have our group, and you know, it's been cool seeing other people's groups build. Be it at home. This year, they actually pushed having your watch parties at home, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. So, hey, I hope they continue the virtual. I hope they continue with the really good selections. And unlike what Zach was saying, I hope these festivals don't die anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I, uh, I have had a very uh, pessimistic Sunday. You were just watching how like we get less things every year. Yeah. Like in the bag. It's like, Man what's in the bag? watching more horrors and all of a sudden. <laughs> so he's getting, yeah, he's getting I don't down know. Right. I've just been like spouting doom and gloom for most of the past week. But it's still fun to be here. It's I very really, fun to be I here. I just wanted to continue. Yeah, I know. And it's, uh, it's been really fun. Uh, like my first screening, that ghost light screening in the wait list line, someone said they were only here because of my videos. And go. that's a really cool thing. And just like you hear having, that Sundance? <laughs> yeah, you hear that Sundance? <laughs> Sundance is sitting in a room going, damn it. it. (laughs) We got to let him back in. Multiple people have come up to me saying that and other people being like, I've only bought tickets because like I've watched your guys' coverage or I watch your videos. Take body. Let them know. Yeah. And it's (laughs) uh, Redford. I should, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's just really nice, even just like from a personal level to know that like you can have that kind of effect on someone. It's always nice to meet you guys. To have started working pass. Started working pass. The worst possible thing to be in. <laughs> we would have this year would have sucked with the working yeah. pass. Uh, years, us paying out of pocket as well. Like we still pay a lot. Like I still, still bought a lot of pocket, tickets this year. Like, I bought three Love Lies bleeding tickets trying to get that premiere. That's another trying to get down to that premiere. I bought three. Man, she got tickets for March third. When, when was it? I was proud of myself. I didn't buy a single ticket this year, and I still got to see Not everything one. I wanted to see. Not one. Nice. I didn't need to, but yeah. but it happened. Yeah. So thanks for so I'm thanks Sundance for letting us in. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that's most of what we want to talk about in this top 10 video. So you can catch more from me at Zshevich on different social media platforms or at Multiplex Show for videos on YouTube and uh, TikTok. There you go. I forgot. Uh, What's the platform? Uh, Arturo, what about you? You can find me in my new Acura Mobile driving back home. Shout out to Acura. Uh, thanks, Sundance. Uh, you can find me at LME Movies on all social media, Letterboxd, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff on YouTube or every week here on the Intricate Podcast. And Amanda? You can find me all over the place at Amanda the Jedi. And for more Intercut coverage, you can follow us across social media platforms at Intercut Pod. You can look up the audio feed on whatever podcatcher you like. I use Overcast. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Pod, where we are streaming most Mondays and updating throughout the week and giving you Sundance Top 10, Sundance Awards, Sundance Reviews, and before long... All the same stuff for South by. So stick, stay tuned Woo! to the Intercut Podcast channel, and um, I guess until next time, open the Eccles. Open, open it the up. Eccles. What are we doing? What are we doing here? In the Mark and the Yarrow in the park. Yeah, where's the Mark and the Yarrow? No, that's the, 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 the Mark. We need the Mark. We de- yeah. What about the Yarrow? We didn't even talk about the Yarrow. <laughs>